by the time you hear this podcast, you'll realize how much better of a singer you are than a rapper. By the time you hear this podcast, I'm Greg. I'm Ben. I'm Aaron. <laughs> and we have Aaron here, uh, first time guest on the podcast. Uh, we, um, well, yeah, I was going to introduce you now. Now I'm all thrown off. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's, all, it's good. It's I all since good. we had a groove going. Yeah, <laughs> it's cool. Um, so, um, yeah, we're back with episode number 47. And um, as we make our way towards 50, we're supposed to do something special for 40, but we never did. But maybe for 50, I don't know. We'll figure it out. <laughs> 50 is the brand new 40, man. <laughs> um, so everyone who has listened so far, thank you very much. Yeah. Um, if you want to tell someone how to find our podcast, you can go to by the time you hear this dot com. You can um, listen to it on Podomatic, iTunes. Castbox, Satchel Podcast Player, TuneIn, and Google Play. Um, if you want to follow us on Facebook, we're at facebook.com slash by the time you hear this, spelled with the word you. There's also the same spelling for the website. And if you want to follow us on Instagram, we're at by the time you hear this, spelled with the letter U because we're upstanding. Yes. Yes. And that's the same spelling for our email address by the time you hear this at gmail.com. You can send us your questions uh show ideas comments uh if you're an independent artist we will play your music and uh critique it or it will hurt your feelings (laughs) (laughs) we don't want to kill your dreams no i mean you may do it yourself we'll just let you know that you've already done it just want to cripple um so yeah we do have a guest uh, he has kind of introduced himself already, but we have Aaron. Yo. Um, Aaron, I've known for six years, but this is only the second time I've seen him yes, in person. Yes, <laughs> oh, <wow>. yes. <laughs> um, so shout out to Sports Talk 101 and Sold Out Sports. Um, uh, you, well, it's a radio show, Sold Out Sports, yes. right? Yes. 
And um, why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Well, right now we are in transition phase, uh, making some moves. So uh, still working on our website. Shout out to Bridget Lewis, uh, my wonderful co-host. Um, so right now we're just in transition phase. But don't worry. We, <laughs> we're coming. Just taking a little sabbatical. Um, for those who aren't familiar, uh, what um, what is, what is sold out sports, and what and, and you know how'd you get the name, and, and what kind of show uh, do you want it to be right. eventually? Uh, sold out sports is well, just going back right quick. Um, I would say part of, probably my main influences as far as the uh, sports media game is right now would be like Dan Lebetard, uh, Bumani Jones. Um, me and Bridget, we, we kind of put together uh, our brand sold out sports. So, you know, it's basically what we you got soul, you know, mm-hmm. black people, you know, saying that's kind of our thing. <laughs> you know what I mean? So uh, we basically wanted to put something together where, you know, I, I discussed with her uh, when we first came up with the vision is that there aren't enough people who look like us that discuss sports in our terms and our realms and discussing the people who uh, um you know, represent our culture, mm-hmm. you know, as far as it comes to sports, you know, most of the leagues are predominantly black and you don't hear much of an uh, urban point of view uh, for sports. So that's basically uh, where we're coming from, what we do. And at the same time, we don't take it uh, super seriously, which is, again, why I referenced Dan Lebetard at first. We like to talk about pop culture and things of that nature, social issues that affect uh, minorities in sports, as well as us out here in the, in the regular world, you know, outside of sports, and just kind of correlate all of them in, in, in one nice little bow. All right. Um, I'm kind of surprised, like, you didn't include uh, um, a Rob Parker or, or Jason Whitlock as nah, your nah, influences. Nah, nah, <laughs> so we don't like Rob Parker nah, either? Nah, nah. Good. Nah. Them, them ain't my folks. That's why I'm glad they, they called him a loser. <laughs> them ain't my folks. You know, I'm surprised that um, this reminds me of maybe the two live stews. When they were syndicated, mm-hmm. yeah, maybe I, not and, as crazy. Not right, right, right. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was going to. That was exactly where I was going. <laughs> Shout out to Doug. Doug is my Facebook friend. Love Doug. Mm-hmm. He's been on my show before. Oh, real wow, cool really? dude. Yes, wow, that was and, my favorite show back in the day. But you know, they 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 push it a little <laughs> bit to the to the end of the cliff. <laughs> we don't necessarily want to jump off without a parachute. So yeah. you know, Doug got more money than me, so he can jump off the cliff <laughs> like that. You know what I mean? So, all right, so um. Uh, so you're in the uh, transitioning to a new station or yes, to a yes okay. yes we we've been uh, we're just trying to put uh, dots on the eyes crosses on the t's okay, okay. and uh, make us a move over to a uh, AM radio station in Atlanta. All right, so look out for sold out sports. Um, there is you guys have a Facebook page or uh, no any social not, media? not yet we do have the uh, Facebook group uh, we we went ahead and made our Instagram but we haven't put anything on it you know what I'm saying just making you know how you got to do before anybody sneaks yeah. up under you and takes your brand but uh we got that we are on Twitter at uh, sold out sports um, Facebook group is sold out sports and uh, like I said, we're working on uh, getting the website established. So we're kind of just building this thing back from the ground up again just to okay. take it, you know, to the next level. All right. So uh, look out for that. And we'll um, include that in the in the description in case people want to come by and, and join the Facebook group, at least. Um, so, um, yeah, let's get into some music news. Um well, I think we should we should start with this. Oh, yes. yes. Probably Let's like our first ahead. 10, 12, 15 <sighs> episodes, she made it into our show in some kind of way. Oh, yeah. Uh, but 
she is. Well, you know, Ben, why don't you why don't you announce this? Man, it, I really feel like she should have done like MJ and put it in the newspaper. I'm back. <laughs> um, <laughs> who am I talking about? Of course, some call her Snake. I call her Taylor Swift. <laughs> she's back. Um, and by back, she's no longer exclusive to just Apple Music. She is on all streaming devices. Um, to, okay, so, I mean, initially this was to celebrate. She, well, she says it's a gift to her fans, which, why weren't you thinking about your fans before? But whatever, bygones are bygones. Mm. Um, she sold 10 million mm. copies of 1989, which, as I've said before, I, I feel is her weakest album. But it, um, but it won mm-hmm. album of the year, Ben. Yeah, it is. You know, hey, single ladies want ten song million of the year, sold, so, you know, <laughs> and it's diamond now. So she did that to, um, to you know, give something back to her fans. So she's back on on Spotify. Um, I have also read on certain message boards that she did this to coincide with the release of the Katy Perry record, which of course they have a beef. Um, I don't in pop music can you they call have it bad beef? blood yes they have bad blood <laughs> according to Katy Perry uh, Taylor Swift could just end it but uh, obviously she doesn't want to <laughs> she don't want to and why would you if you're winning why would you want to end the beef like I wouldn't if I'm winning I'm like I'm gonna stop this I'm on top so basically she's the uh, pop 50 cent yeah <laughs> <laughs> is Katy yes. Perry Ja Rule uh, uh, no no cause she she still has a career um, Are we sure? Like this album's pretty trash. <laughs> like it's not going anywhere. <laughs> but it has the Migos on it, yeah, and and they can't even save it. <laughs> like they're like the hottest thing in rap and pop music. One of the hottest things in pop music, the hottest thing in rap music, really. And they can't save it. Like Bon Appetit still is barely in the Hot 100. You well, it's, I guess it's kind of like how, um, like before we start recording, the the Thriller Bad Complex. Yeah. Uh, she's not. She's never going to match teenage dream no even as big as prism was she ain't even she, close. probably and she won't even match prism yeah that's disappointing if she yeah, can't even get back prism. to that uh, <laughs> but i think she came out with an album that um i guess nobody was really wanting yeah well i mean no one I was, was were people was, clamoring for more no, katie perry no one was clamoring for more katie perry and when that's the case you got to come with something good and i think like people thought change of the rhythm was kind of weak and then Bon Appetit was kind of weak. And then the Saturday Night Live performance was, was weak. <laughs> weird. It was weird, to say the least. The video's weird, too. They deep fry her. Um, <laughs> so, like, just, like, the whole thing has been kind of clunky. It's just like, what you doing? <laughs> um, who's always working on her song? Is it is it Dr. Well, Luke Max or Martin, is it Max Martin? I think she got, like, she and, got and Blanco uh, Benny Blanco and, and Saya. And I was disappointed to find out that Max Martin had a hand in writing Bon Appetit. Um, I figured, you know, like, I'm not saying that, like, Dark Horse was the greatest rap beat, but it was better than Bon Appetit. Like, it was at least Juicy J probably came in and was like, yeah, I can flow on this. Right. <laughs> I can flow on this. Like, I can, I can do this. Like, he probably even suggested some changes, you know. I was like, hey, man, why don't you try this? Why don't you try this? I feel like it might have also been like a last minute thing, like after Bad and Bougie became a hit, like, oh, what, let's do a song with Migos. And, and they don't, like, and they, and they've never met them. Yeah. They listened to that song a couple of times. Katy Perry was like, who are the Migos? Like, I think Max Martin was asking that question. I think question. So, like, I he was asking that question. <laughs> who are the Migos and why should I care? <laughs> I am Max Martin. No, but yes, yeah, weird. But don't want to get too off the, off the topic. Taylor Swift is back, y'all. So yeah. go listen. Um, I have a feeling one of her songs will get played before the end of this show. 
Just make it a prediction. Just make it a prediction. All right. So um, we're we're back on our Taylor Swift making it into the show. <laughs> um, following that, um, we had an episode about this band, and it's amazing that after all this time, they're they still want to work together. Uh, Fleetwood Mac is going back on tour. <laughs> I win. I hate everybody after that album. <laughs> like they made an album in which they basically just everyone aired out everyone else's shit. <laughs> so every song was shot at someone, and half of them he had to sing on. Like like you you married some. You're in a band together. You married someone in the group. Then you get divorced. Then you write songs about each other, and you still work together. Yeah. <laughs> that's so. That's a two. That's two different breakups in that yeah. group. That's still amazing. And they, and so they're going back on tour. Yeah. <laughs> um, how many? Uh, how many dates are they doing? Or any other details you got on that? Uh, let me see here. So, um, 2008 tour with the mid 70s Fleetwood Mac lineup is very much on the cards. I don't see any dates here. Um, because right now, so Christine McVie and Lindsey Buckingham are doing, they're performing as a duo right now. Um, so I don't see any actual, like, solid tour plans, just that they've reunited with her. 2018, they're going to go on tour. So, I mean, I think this is... Okay, so it's planned for next year. It's planned for next year. I think this is going to sell pretty well. Because, I mean, it's, it's that 70s lineup that everybody knows. Yeah. Made... You know, the self-titled um, Rumors, Tusk, like all those albums that people really, really like. Right. They're going back on tour. So, I mean, honestly, I, I might. I mean, they're looking kind of old. So maybe I'll try to go see them, too. Because, <laughs> um, I mean, they're like, I mean, not to like, you know, not to crap on new people. But, like, honestly, like in the 70s, in the 80s, um, people were really masters of their craft. So they're going to be good. Like, you don't have to really wonder, like, is this artist from the 70s good? Just yeah. like um was that earlier this week or it might have been last weekend, uh Hall and Oates and Tears yeah, for Fears yeah. were here. I know they're good. <laughs> Earth Wind <laughs> and Fire. I know they're good. Like yeah. I don't have to wonder about yeah. some of these groups. Yeah, even good. even if Maurice White has has passed, mm-hmm. people are still gonna go see Earth Wind yeah. and Fire. Fallout Boy, I gotta yeah. wonder. Yeah. <laughs> I'm and I and I love them. But, yeah, spoiler alert, they're not good. They're really bad. Lie? Lie. Oh yeah, I'll never go see them. I've seen, I've seen enough video to know that um, I will save whatever they're charging nowadays. Yeah, <laughs> I'll just save it. Yeah. All right. So um, uh, if you're into Fleetwood Mac, look forward to them next year. Um, so uh, I didn't. I didn't know if you had added this story. I wasn't able to pull out the the document you put together. But uh, Dr. Dre is in the news. Um, does anyone play him in the new Tupac movie? I don't even know. That's a good question. I, I they should get that the too. dude from um, from Fred of the Compton to do it. Or what yes. about the dude from the Michelet movies? Hey, <laughs> let right. it back, let I was gonna say because the new show he did got canceled. So oh, the twenty four. Yeah, uh, uh, reboot. Canceled. Nobody was watching. Left Walking Dead for all that. Oh, he's he's doing Walking Dead. Yeah, he's oh, the guy with the dreads. He's doing another. He's doing another film. I think he's in Detroit, the new Detroit. Oh, movie. is he? I think okay. he's in that. Um, but uh, yeah, so uh, Dr. Dre is in the news. For, he is committed ten million dollars to build the Compton Performing Arts Center, um, and uh, 
for the it's being built for the new Compton High School right. in his hometown, and it will be breaking ground in 2020. Um, he says, my goal is to provide kids with the kind of tools and learning they deserve. The Performing Arts Center will be a place for young people to be creative in a way that will help further their education and positively define their future. Um, this is a good thing. Yeah, it's a uh, um, with the with his last album release. Um, I had a question about that because I'm, I'm not sure. I, like, I, I have never listened to the Compton album. Uh, it's not bad. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's okay. It's, I, I mean, it's. I don't want to say it sounds more experimental, but it wasn't. I don't think it was made to be on the radio. Yeah, right. Okay. Definitely not. Yeah. Was it? Was it like? <laughs> Definitely not. Like, okay. People talked about like detox for like fifteen years yeah, at least. Yeah. So, yeah. What, was this supposed? Was this the detox, or I, was it just a, a different kind of project? I wouldn't say so. I think it was a different kind of project. I wouldn't say it was the detox though. Okay. Yeah, there were some. I mean, not gonna lie. There were some really good tracks on there. There's one I can't think of the name of right now, that has a beat that just reminds me of like rolling down like Crenshaw at night. Right. Like it just. It like it. It just sound like when you hear it, the imagery in my head is boys in the hood. This this album is kind of like a. Uh, hey guys, I'm sorry I didn't give you detox, <laughs> but I got this. Yeah. And it's pretty dope. Mm-hmm. Okay. But it's not, there were but no it's not detox. Yeah. There are no singles yeah. on that album. In my opinion, at least. So I was uh, was bringing up that album because he used the royalties from that album to fund this facility. Well, two years ago, it was announced he would use the royalties to fund a new performing arts facility. And so now that is uh, all coming together. And um, uh, in 2020, it's going to break ground. Um, uh, If there's anything else to add about that. Um, he is also, this is the, uh, not the first time he's done something like this. He, um, joined with Jimmy Iovine to launch a new Academy for the arts, technology, and business of innovation at university of Southern California. Um, well, Aaron, you be from LA. Have you been by that facility? Yes. is nice. He, he, he's doing a lot of good things for the city. Um, as we all know, Dre has his, uh, his monsters and skeletons in the closet from back in the day. But uh, he's, he's one thing he has been really good at doing is giving back to Los Angeles community. Um, Mayor Asha Harris is really turning around the city of Compton. So uh, for him to be building this, this performing arts school for the Compton high school, that's another um, just great thing that he, that the city of Compton is getting and is, and you can really tell with the new mayor uh, of Compton there that she's really turned the city around. So, yeah, I mean Trey's doing his thing. Um, he is. He's rap's first billionaire, right? I know a lot of it came from the the, the beats, but still, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> um, so it's it's nice to see the um, the philanthropy that he's uh, that he's getting into. Um, so one day when I go out to L.A., I've never been there. But uh, I would I want to see what um, what's coming. I, I like seeing. I will, I'm interested in seeing uh, stuff like that. So uh, congratulations to uh, Compton High School, the well, the new Compton High School. I always thought there was already one. Yes. Um, what was uh, the, but it looks like it was a new. It's a. It's something. It's a new high yeah, school. Yeah, the old Compton <laughs> High School is very old. It was probably about. 60, 70 years old, maybe. What's the, it's a very old mascot? building. 
Oh man, I don't remember. It's been so Are they long. the Clovers or is that just made up for the movie? Yeah, that was for the movie. I, yeah. Okay. So I was going <laughs> like, that's a good movie. Um, I know colors are blue and yellow. I don't I remember. Mean, okay. I don't remember that. So uh, in a couple of years, look forward to the new Performing Arts Center, the Compton Performing Arts Center. That's great for Compton because Inglewood has really uh, turned itself around as a city. So it's, it's really? yes, okay. it's it's only they're getting better for uh, Compton's there. doing its thing. Yeah, they're yep. getting a new arena. They're they're for the new arena. Uh, Steve Palmer's uh, financing the whole thing. Yep, the Rams are moving Steve there. <laughs> they, they got a lot of things going on in uh, South Central Los Angeles right now. Is that where the new the 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 Farmers Insurance Stadium is going to be? Yes, what the Rams are going to play? Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. What are they doing with the farm? If you heard anything about that, they they want to tear it down, but it's kind of hard because it's a landmark. So, oh, is it? Yeah. Okay. So, um, they're probably just going to keep renovating it until they just figure it out at some point. Mm-hmm. They're still doing concerts there, so it's. Yeah, I know. Like uh, Kanye premiered the famous video there. The forum, you know. Yeah. It's- I didn't mean to bombard you with so many oh, LA questions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know you're from there, but yeah. Um, so yeah, um, we have some new music come out in the last, um, well, since our last episode, uh, Katy Perry's witness has come out in which it may apparently be whack. Yes, uh, <laughs> it's, not getting, it's not getting good reviews at all. Um, uh, DJ Khaled has a new single, of course, it has Drake on it. Of course, <laughs> of course. And on the cover of the single, it has DJ Khaled's son, who has been on all everywhere. the cover of yeah. all the singles. Um, also, new music from. Um, let me go back where. Uh, Ed Sheeran on uh, Spotify has a. Uh, they have the Spotify singles in which. An artist comes in and they do one of their songs, kind of like a live version yeah. of one of their songs, and then they may do a cover song. So Ed Sheeran did a cover of Britney Spears' Baby One More Time. Um, you didn't refer to him as... Hmm. Oh, I'm sorry. The most influential artist in black music, Ed Sheeran. <laughs> 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 uh, dude, I'm going to stay him. <laughs> uh, did, a, uh, did a cover of, of Britney Spears' Baby One More Time. Um it sounds like every acoustic version of a pop song you will hear in a Starbucks. You know who you probably got it from, right? Travis. And Travis and Fountains of Wayne did covers of it <laughs> early, like early 2000s when it was still popular. Yeah. Yeah. So you have that. Um, a new single from, well, uh, if you guys will check out... Um, the Switched Out podcast uh, with with Jay. Uh, he did a review of SZA's Control album. Okay. Um, this is her first, I guess her first LP um, that people have been waiting a long time for. Um, she has a song with Kendrick Lamar on there. That Well, that's on the New Music Friday list on Spotify. But you can check out her album. Um also, uh, Lord has a new Lord. song. Um, I'm not sure what the name of her uh, has. I don't know. I don't think her album has come out yet. But she has released three singles, four singles from it. Is she still? I, I felt at one point she was going to be the next coming. Yeah. And I've been disappointed. Like, and I, maybe she was just overhyped for me. But 
like her fans, her stands, I guess if you will, because that's the thing now, are giving up on her. I don't know if they're giving oh. up on her, but like they made her out to be like you know, like she's just gonna be everything. Yeah, she, she was, was just awesome. She was supposed to be the next big thing, and I don't know. Did the fame bombard her? And uh, she kind of shied it, away. I think in some interviews she's kind of expressed that kind of feeling. I mean, when. Royals blew up. She's she was yeah. only like sixteen. Right. <laughs> I heard the Rick Ross remix. I'm like, oh, oh right. Like, what? Like, but so basically, uh, this album that she's coming out with is kind of her dealing with all of that. Okay. Um, <laughs> but I think it's going to sound more more like traditionally pop than anyone would expect. Uh, so it kind of may just kind of like. Yeah, she does. Yeah. Well, dude, yeah, well, I'm interested to see how that turns out because I think like, um, she was like that song. It was a producer who's being a, lyric, a little experimental that she was working with, and like the reason why Royals was so big because it sounded so different than what was mm-hmm. on the radio at the time. But here. now, <laughs> right. but now her songs sound like they're supposed to be on the radio. So, uh. I wouldn't be surprised. I'm kind of worried that it won't be it won't be a success at all because it just sounds like everything else. I wouldn't be surprised if that was like how you talk about how some DJ just finds a deep cut and just plays it. <laughs> that that doesn't person, happen anymore. I don't think that's supposed to be a single though. Like someone was like, "Hey, dog, like there's just a beat and vocals. Put it on. Like put it on." <laughs> Next thing you know, they're like beating down the doors for it. Man. Yeah. It's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that doesn't that doesn't happen anymore. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, Miley Cyrus has a new single um, after denouncing hip hop. Uh, <laughs> hey, like, she okay, looked, whatever. She was so like she. So like, instead of like how some people might like dip their toe in the pool, like she dove in head first to hip hop. Yes, like after she shed that Disney persona. It was just like, oh my god, black people! Like it was just, like, <laughs> and this thing you know, like she's in a video wearing like a Michael Jordan jersey, wearing Jay's twerking. Michael I was Jay's. I was kind of hoping somewhere down the line there was going to be a song with her and like Orlando Brown. Because <laughs> <laughs> they it, look, they were they were both like yeah. out there. Yeah. At the same time, he's still out there. And well, see, he was on Corey in the House, right? Or who was that? He was on That's So Raven. That's So Raven, yeah. okay. He was 3J on oh, Family yes. Matters. <laughs> yes. Yeah, but, but just she, like, what, what's happening to these Disney kids? That's making them go crazy. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe Disney stuck her some money. This is her way back to a Hannah Montana Maybe. reboot right. or some sort. But, I mean, like, she probably <laughs> grew up like, this is going to sound, I feel bad saying that she probably grew up like a white teenager in the South. Like, white teenagers in the South love hip-hop music. Like, don't believe me? Go to any small town in Tennessee, where I'm pretty sure she's from, on a Friday night, and you might hear some Migos. You might hear some Ray Sherman. You can hear a lot of hip-hop music playing. They're probably... But they're not dressed... They're not wearing J's. They're wearing cowboy boots. <laughs> and, like... You know, there's nothing wrong with that, but, like, they're, like... People... White people in the South are some of the biggest hip-hop fans I've ever met. And it's not like they're not entrenched in hip-hop culture. They just like rap music because you can dance to it. And I think, like by looking at the type of rap music she was involved in, in like she wasn't getting down with like you know Black Star even though they weren't really around by then but like she wasn't like I want to do a song with Most Def 
she wasn't doing that. Or like, I want to work with Talib Kweli or someone like that. Right. She worked with Juicy J and Wiz Khalifa, and she got on the song about Jordans. So like, <laughs> it was just. It, I guess if you really look at it, it kind of makes sense. Like, <laughs> yeah, and her album, I. It sounds like Juicy J wrote everything. Yeah, Juicy J he wrote all her songs. Yeah, there, <laughs> and like, did all her songs. <laughs> Um, oh, but funny. yeah, so now she's back to country. Right. Um, uh, oh, also, um, cause we hadn't heard of her until we looked at the Grammy nominations, uh, best new artist nominee, Kelsey Ballerini. Okay. She got something new out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, another song that I, uh, I mentioned Pharrell has a new song called yellow light from the movie despicable me three. Um, I listened to it. It's not bad, but you just, I just know it's not going to live up to happy and nothing, nothing he does will ever <laughs> live up to that song. Uh, he did the soundtrack for, um, I almost said hidden fences, but hidden figures. <laughs> <laughs> um, he did the soundtrack to that and I thought, Oh, maybe he'll get another Oscar nomination. No, that never happened. Um, but, um, how many? I I haven't seen any of the Despicable Me movies. Yet. No, I don't. No. I mean, I know they're for kids, like, but um, Moonwalking, right on the on the water. Is that the one I'm thinking of? I I don't uh, know. Like it was some. If this is what I'm thinking of, it was like this. Dude. The one with the minions. That's he's, all he's I know. Yeah, it is. That's, uh, that's all I know. <laughs> it was this dude in purple. He was like very 80s. Like like I had on like a purple jumpsuit with a mullet, and he was like 80s dancing and pop locking to like. To like sabotage stuff, it was it was pretty dope. I'm not gonna lie. He moonwalked across the water. <laughs> Might be. I <laughs> I'll take your word for right. it. On he, that. Had like the 80s, he had the, like the '80s porn star mustache and everything. Like he was, <laughs> like he was all about it. Um, but yeah, that's on guys. Check out the New Music Friday list on Spotify. Um, that was just a few things. Oh, and also, I don't. It wasn't on the list, but Macklemore has a new song, and Ryan Lewis is not uh, producing it. Um, I don't know if that means that they're splitting up or they're just doing different things, but it's not going to live up to anything on the heist. Probably not. AKA Seattle, the album. <laughs> <laughs> um, what, what the, I figured out, like, um, people don't know any other Sir Mix a lot song than baby got back. Right. <laughs> if you say you do, I, I don't believe you. No. I just don't. You're either from <laughs> Seattle or yeah. you're lying. Like, period. <laughs> but there's a line in the Macklemore song, uh, Can't Hold Us, where he said, uh, my posse's been on Broadway and we did it our way. It's like, but that's New York. But there's a Sir Mix-A-Lot song Whoa, called All right. My Posse's on Broadway, which is a street in downtown Seattle. So that, Yeah. It took me a long time to figure out what that was, but um, Macklemore, they're respecting his elders, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, let's see what else we got here. Uh, okay, so um, I, Ben, you could start this off with the new criteria for the Grammys. Ah uh, yes. So um, songwriters now recognize an al- album of the year. However, um, they must contribute at least thirty-three percent or more playing time on the on the winning album to receive. Um, a reward for that grant for that album. So previously, you know, songwriters were not included, um, <clears throat> excuse me, included in the awards or really given any, I mean, they were just recognized really for song of the year. 
Um, that was the Songwriters Award. But um, it says, moving forward, all creators, songwriters, producers, engineers, mixers, mastering engineers, and featured artists credited with at least 33% or more playing time on the winning album will be eligible to win a Grammy in the Album of the Year category, which would, I assume, means gotta give out more Grammys. Gotta make more of these statues. Well, yeah, or, or maybe they're probably reducing it uh, because if you look at... Um, well, with this past Grammys, mm-hmm. if Beyonce won album of the year, it's probably going to be like 20 people <laughs> who would have gotten an award. Yeah. That would be all her writers, <laughs> all, the producers. all the producers, all the guest artists. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think this is to reduce it, reduce the number of Grammys that they actually give out. Like yeah, you can't just that. work on one song. You got to work on a few songs. Which I wonder. Now, do you think that this is kind of a, a, a shot? at maybe rap music or R&B music because of... I think it kind of is. Or, or well, with somebody like like Beyonce. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, to where she has a team of writers. What you think it was like, okay, is it two or three? It's like nine. Right. Yeah. Nine, ten people that all work on a song together, which is kind of weird because you hear the song is like, okay, how did it take nine people to write that? So, <laughs> interesting that you mentioned that. This weekend, I watched the Genius interview with The Dream. Mm-hmm. And he talked about his first single that he wrote for B2K. I can't think of it. The name of it. Um, B2, was it the Bump, Bump, Bump song? Mm-hmm. That was R. Kelly. Yeah. According to our, last, our yeah. last episode, that was R. Kelly. <laughs> but he talked about, so he was talking about, like, that was his first single that he ever, that he ever, you know, wrote for an artist. Mm-hmm. And um, he was talking about the frustrating part of it was, like, you. oh, it's called Everything. Okay. The frustration in, like, hearing his first product to the finished product. And he said, like, at every, at every, like, you know, turn, they take something or they add something. And so that's how all of these writers. So yeah. the dream has the original idea. And then someone comes in and is like, oh, I'm going to tweak this and change right. things. I'm going to tweak this. And he said by the end of it, he had less than two points on the song. Like, but he mm-hmm. had the original idea, but it got changed around so much. And that's how you get, like, you know, six, seven, eight writers. Right. Yeah. Because someone, everyone keeps changing things. And see, that's why that's why I pose a question of whether or not you think this is kind of a, a subtle shot towards rap and R and B. Because especially with rap music, yeah. like you know, everybody's on the split sheet. Is it's just with the with the way the music is composed, it's just so many people who can put their hands in it. Yeah, yeah. they have to get some type of credit for the song. I would say possible that and because pop, pop music is going in that direction as right. well. To where you know, like, yeah, you'll have that one main producer, but he always he switches. You'll have in and out. Yeah, like you'll have a Max Martin. Yeah, but he'll also there's Doctor Luke on that same song and song. Benny Blanco right. yeah. and Sight. Like they'll all they'll may all work on a song together, and then uh, or one of them actually, like you said, with the dream, one of them would have the main idea, mm-hmm. but then everyone else has their hands on it, and it may turn into something else. Um, I wonder if it'll make them try to change it up. Because, I mean, like, which one was the Nas album where he kind of started that trend of, you know, a different producer for every oh, song? Oh, Illmatic. Yeah. Illmatic. So I wonder, will will you see some hip-hop artists maybe try to go back to, like, or, maybe, or even producers try to go I, back to, I like, would, I want more tracks on the album? Right. I would love to see something like that uh, just to, like, yeah, you'll hear some, but, and you know who the who the producer was. But you don't want to get too, I guess, like, I didn't like when it got a little too varied or you have this producer who did one song on the album. Yeah, it's the single. It's what made the album popular. 
And if it starts winning awards, then he's a part of that. But even though it's just that one song, mm -hmm. that producer is getting more credit than maybe he deserves. So also makes me wonder too. Then, and this is not a this is not a shot at producers nowadays because, um, and saying that producers were better. But do you think if they tried that, would albums start to sound boring? Like, would it just be like I've heard this? Like, you know, if, if you well, take, I like, think Michael it would made it. Or I think it DJ would mustard because he that tempo. I think it would push them to to have some kind of some kind of diversity mm -hmm. with what they do. Like, I think Michael made it as our, his work with Ray Shrimmer. He does he pretty much, pretty much everything album, yeah. for right. them. He, he produces all their stuff. So you, you like, that's just one example of that. Uh, Life was a pretty good album. I'm not going to lie. I'm, I'm not a huge fan of like the, the content of it, but as a cohesive album put together, mm -hmm. I, it was pretty, it was pretty good. Pretty well put together. Yeah. You rarely, well, that and that's that's a rarity though, yeah. Because exactly. that's really just one primary producer, or I guess you can go back to um, uh, Kanye working on Commons B, mm -hmm. um, and uh, there's a there's another one I'm trying to think. Or if you've had the the small team like Magna Carta, Holy Grail had a small group of. Producers, they were like the the biggest producers you could find. <laughs> right. You had Timlin and Pharrell right. and Rick Rubin <laughs> and Swiss Beats. So uh, you had a small group of producers, but they all worked together. Um, but I think what um, if you're going to have a lot of people working on it, then they have to do more. Yeah. They have to work oh, yeah. on more right. of it. Right. They can't just do one song and then get credit for the whole thing. And just get out <laughs> one song and get out, which um, the, I mean, that part almost kind of harkens back to the Hitmakers Factory. Like we just here's a song. We're on to the next album. Here's a song. We're on to the next album. Um, so maybe we will get more cohesive statements. Maybe we'll get actual. I mean, hell, who ha, has there ever been a hip hop concept album? <laughs> well, I think that's what Kendrick is. Section yeah. 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 Oh, Section, Section 80, 80. Well, Section and, and, and uh, Good Kid, Mad City. I, yeah. was, I felt like, I think that's why I like Good Kid, Mad City so much, because it's the story. So. Yeah. Um, but with the, well, what the Grammys are doing now are, well, I don't know if you had just said this, they're voting, members are voting by way of phone, laptop, or tablet mm -hmm. to eliminate a lot of human error with paper ballots, uh, and allows freedom for traveling members to get more information by way of audio and video clips. The old ones aren't going to. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. The old members of the Academy yeah, are still the, going They're going to do what the they do. Members. Yeah. Um, and they are setting up three nomination review committees for the fields of rap, contemporary instrumental, and new age. These are separate groups created to keep voting members in check, neutralizing some effect felt from marketing, name recognition, and overall popularity. You could use that for all of them, all the categories. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think this is to prevent um, this is to prevent something like the heist beating uh, Good, Kid, Good Kid, Kid Matt City for best rap album, um, uh, or. Um, Big Willie style. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> did that win best rap? No. Oh, I feel like no. it did. I think getting jiggy with it won best rap song or performance or something like that. But um, I think Iggy, Iggy Azalea also, I think like her album, she got nominated for a song and her album. So 
maybe it's to prevent something like that to where maybe it's not that deserving. Uh, they have done this in the past with classical jazz and rock. Um, I, I, I'm pretty sure they did the rock one after the uh, Metallica Jethro Tull incident. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, can, they just uh, couldn't get that category right. So to eliminate the potential for popularity bias that puts emerging artists, independent music, and late year releases at a disadvantage. Um, so you'll get. Uh, well, is is Top Dog Entertainment part of a, um, a major label, or the, are they totally indie? I I don't really remember. I would assume that they're probably part of a major label. Okay. Oh, and to fact check, yes, it won two Grammys. Which which one? Big, Big Willie Style. Style. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, I wonder which major. La- well, there's only three of them, as we've realized. Right. There's only three major right. labels. Um, Used to be six, then were four. <laughs> Entertainment. I don't see who they're with. Uh, they also, um, I don't know if we talked about this before about the, the eligibility period. Um, I think it was like the end of August was the end of the eligibility period. I can't before. remember. Well, for those who are, you know, trying to win that Grammy, um, oh, okay. Did they change it? <laughs> you have until September 30th <laughs> this year to release your album, to be mm-hmm. eligible for next year. Uh, first round ballots are uh october 16th to the 29th then the nominations are due on november 28th and then the final round ballot are between december 21st december 7th to december 21st so uh you guys got a little under uh three months well a little over three months to get uh to get your album out we should have a we should have a prediction show on what we think will be nominated because I'm already putting in the prediction that Divide is going to be nominated for at least record. Divide and Divide and Damn are out or penciled in yeah. or oh, put yeah. it in Magic one, Mark one or whatever. One of those two, if not both. I think both of those will be nominated for Album of the Year. I think the Grammys they they like Kendrick now, mm-hmm. and he's been nominated for Album of the Year twice. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has paid his dues. Humble's going to be nominated for Record of the Year oh, yeah. and Song of the Year, probably. What will they take from Divide? <laughs> it'll probably be... They'll probably put Shape of You on there. Yeah. Um, they'll probably try to sneak in two songs into the category. Or from one song <clears throat> in one, another song in the other. They like to do yeah. that sometimes. So, yeah. um, but I'm, I'm thinking of what's going to be like... The surprise. Uh, well, not, well, yeah. I used to think it's like, okay, it's going to be like the old guy to where he might win because they want to give him that before he dies. Right. <laughs> like who's going to be the Sturgill Simpson? Yeah, well, there may year. be a Sturgill Simpson. Um, I would be. I don't know what I. I don't know what I do. I know I'd be very upset at the very least if the Nickelback of EDM. Oh, they're going to be. It's going to be album of the year. I wouldn't give them album of the year, but I could see them giving them record of the year as a troll. Maybe it's like, oh yeah, we know all the work you put into producing this record. I'm doing air quotes. All the work. <laughs> so I, I could see that. I mean, if anything, but I feel like for them, they'll probably put them in the lower categories of maybe like best pop performance. Um, by a duo, um, kind of where they throw Ariana Grande, who I'm like, at some point I wonder what she has to do with her voice. What does she have to do to get in the big boy categories? Because like, yeah. 
Or, like, <clears throat> should we have, like, well, no, because everything's not vocal. Because I'm looking for, like, yeah, I'm, I want to give her best vocal performance, pop vocal performance. But I don't know. Like, I feel like she's kind of getting overlooked because her music is so pop. And, but, like, she's more talented than her music, like, says that she is. Like, your music gets played on Top 40 radio, but you're probably one of the better singers I'm hearing on Top 40 radio. You could hold yeah, your So she, she might be getting um, just mixed in with everyone else yeah. to where, you know, because she... Because her music's not as... Her music's not as grand-sounding as, as um, Adele, but she can hold her own with Adele as a vocalist. Like, I could, she could sing on an Adele song. But maybe they're like, oh, you're too young. I don't know if it'll be as popular if, if thing, she though, did yeah. it rather than Adele. Exactly. Like, you're too young. You don't have the name. You don't have the poise, so to speak. You know, Adele doesn't have to dance around and wear short skirts. Adele just stands there and sings. Yeah, but Adele is still the outlier, though. Like, the number one, she has number one songs that are ballads, and no mm-hmm. one else can do that. Except for Adele. <laughs> it's the only way they can get away with that. Um, so that'll do it for our music news. And, um, yeah, so Ben, uh, I have to ask, I already know what it is, but why don't you tell the people what your earworm of the week is? Don't mind if I do. <laughs> it is the title track from Taylor Swift's album of the year winning album, the good one, Fearless. Um, it's just a really good song. Man. I love the drums. I love the bass line. Um, one thing I do like about her, and this is on a more serious note, I don't know if she still has them, but for her first three or four albums, she used the same session band. Like, you can go back and watch her video from her first album. She's got the same drummer, the same bass player, the same She fired players. them before Red was made. Had <laughs> no, to. they played on Red now. I saw oh. them because I saw them play live. I recognize her bass okay, player. Okay, in 1989. Has, oh, yeah, they're, had they're, to probably be no they're probably gone. They're probably gone. Because her bass player has huge hands. I remember I was like, man, it must be easy for him to play. Um, so I think that's why she gets such a consistent sound with the performance of the music because they've been playing with her for so long. They understand her style. Plus she benefits from good producers. I'm a huge Taylor Swift fan, but I recognize she ain't nothing without her producers in her band. I get it. I totally get it. She can't sing. Well, I, she, well, she's not a, she can sing, but there are people that can sing better because I know people who can't sing. They really can't sing. <laughs> she can at least carry a tune, but that's, that's yeah. So I get it. I'm a self-aware Taylor Swift fan. All right, now, is this song about an ex-boyfriend? No. Oh. Well, it, well, you know, it, well, I'll, take it, I'll take it back. It might be, but it, not in a negative not, way. Okay. Like, it's about what they had and how um, how this guy made her fearless. That's what it's about. So, who knows? She probably broke up with him eventually. <laughs> like, that always happens, but she wasn't, like, bashing him, you know? All right, so from Fearless, and for the first time ever, we're playing a Taylor Swift song on this podcast. (laughs) From Fearless, the title track, Fearless by Taylor Swift, and we'll be right back. And I turned my mic the wrong way, so we're going to try that again. (laughs) And not that song either. That one. The way the street looks when it's just rain, yeah. 
There's a glow off the pavement You walk me to the car And you know I wanna ask you to dance right there In the middle of the parking lot down the road I wonder if you know I'm trying so hard not to get caught up now but you're just so is um, Taylor Swift, Fearless, from the Album of the Year winning, Fearless. Um, it's 2008. She's been around for a while. Yeah, really. She has. <laughs> Doesn't even seem like it. But well, I mean, she was, I think she was 16 yeah. when the first one came out because, well, because I wasn't into her back then and all my friends were like, oh man, she's so hot, but she's not legal yet. I'm like, stop that. <laughs> I was like, that's not cool, man. Stop that. <laughs> this is how much I didn't know about Taylor Swift for a while. I thought she was a contestant on American Idol. And you know, I did too. She <laughs> was. I did too. I think I, con- I confused her with Carrie Underwood for a long yeah. time. Carrie Underwood can sing under the table. <laughs> like, I love Taylor, but like, I've, I've seen like live videos and there are certain notes on her own songs she had trouble hitting. <laughs> So I'm like, how many takes did it take you in the studio to get that? Right. Like, sit down, girl. Like, you know, like. <laughs> All right. So uh, we started the show with uh, T-Pain, uh, T-Pain's magnum opus. No, I don't know if it's a magnum opus. <laughs> I don't know. It is his most uh, most popular song, according to his Spotify profile. I didn't believe that. Yeah. Um, but uh, we wanted to... Uh, asked the question and uh, again Aaron thank you for joining us and to uh, be interested in this topic I wanted to ask the question is R&B dead? Yes <laughs> it is dead man look at first thought yes okay Yo, <laughs> I can't I can't name you one R&B song that's on the radio right now like I seriously, mm. I can't think of anybody that's out right now that's popping like I heard Chris Brown had a new song out but like it, that's more like rap R and B. Like I mean, yeah. like a singer that's like somebody actually singing. No auto tunes. No nothing. Like I can't name anything that I can think of off the top of my head. Right? There was a um, uh, at this new job I started. We're doing some training, and you know we're all sitting at computers and stuff. It's really quiet and boring, and so a trainer put on some music, and they 
put on like a Pandora station right. and it was like 90s R&B and everybody was really into it. <laughs> um, and it's interesting to where like while everyone like my age, our age and younger are more, they will be more into 90s R&B than anything that's out today. Yeah. I mean, they may like Chris Brown, but yet they want to hear SWV right. <laughs> instead. Right. Um, so um uh this having this topic for a podcast was inspired by an article that I read on Atlanta Black Star, which actually isn't on Atlanta Black Star anymore, <laughs> but a couple of other blogs have posted it um and they it basically listing why eight eight reasons why R and B has died in the black community more specifically. But I think it made you know, it, it died for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um so uh well, with Ben, ben how about you? Like your first, when, if someone like asking that, hearing that question, what's your first thought? If it was like yes or no, do you think R and B has died? So to take the other approach, and this was inspired by what I saw you post: is it dead or has it evolved? Mm-hmm. And I would maybe say it's evolved. What it has evolved into, I don't know. Did it split into certain things? Um, because as far as like R and B music in the pop sphere. You're not going to really hear it. Like you said, you can't really find anything on the radio that's the R&B that we recognize. I would say maybe the closest thing might be, has Versace on the floor been released as a single yet? I mean, that might be kind of close because it's got that R&B feel to it. Um, but like if like with all these R&B songs now, they're either like kind of kind of sing rapping a little bit, kind of right. like your Chris Brown. Um, or they're a rapper that sings a la Drake, a la T-Pain. Or it's just like it's a pop song by an R&B singer with someone like rapping a verse, typically, is what you'll find. So I don't know if it's dead or if it's just evolved. Um, as far as like alternative R&B, I might consider like Anderson Pack. He's very he's like an alternative R&B to me, but he doesn't get played on the radio a lot. So like while mm-hmm. he's still out there or um like he he's just not he's not in the pop sphere so no one really knows who he is well, someone more more likely to be played in that realm in the alternative R&B realm is like Bryson Teller yeah right um to where i, I think his his re- he, he has a new album kind out, of a but. rapper too though like he raps over rap he tra- he raps over <laughs> <laughs> he sings over rap beats like very trap inspired music i mean the album was called trap soul um and it's not bad but like i think like He's a type of artist that a lot of men felt okay listening to because it kind of it flows like a rap song. Um, like you feel less guilty than listening to Drake? Is that what you mean? I don't know. Like I just saw like everyone I heard, I never heard women talk about Bryson Teller. It was always dudes. Mm. Like Jeff Teague, the first time I heard of, of Bryson Teller, Jeff Teague, formerly of the Atlanta Hawks, posted a screenshot of the bright like oh man this is my joint he looks like he listens to bryson tiller <laughs> and it took me a long time to like actually look into him i was like who's this bryson tiller cat that everybody keeps talking about i looked into him and i was like oh he's a he's an he's an r&b rapper like he just <laughs> he raps over trap beats okay that's cool you know so i think that's my thing i think maybe it's just kind of evolved into something that maybe we don't fully recognize uh, what do you think about that? It, has it evolved well, in a way, or, or and, how do you see, see that? See, that's why I, I feel like that has died because now 
the the what we see of R and B now is like you said it's it's you can say it's evolved, but it's turned into another genre. It's turned into uh, trap soul or rap soul or, <laughs> or something like that, you know. And yeah, of course they're going to be like people who are like really diehard neo soul capers or whatever out there. That's going to be like, oh well, you got to listen to such and such and such and such artists. But you know that's fine and good, but it's not commercially mainstream. So th- there are no there are no Mariah Careys, there are no more Whitney Houston's. Hell, there aren't even any more Bobby Browns. Mm. You know, it's it's just a genre of music that seems to have disappeared and like what you mentioned where men feel comfortable I think that has a lot to do with it um, I think we we at some point we kind of crossed the threshold where um, due, due to the success and plateau of rap music a lot of artists who can sing started to feel kind of I guess less masculine mm-hmm. or, or yeah. less cool you know, by continuing to do R and B, so it, they kind of crossed it, over and it, tried it to made it like it's not okay to be to some sing. kind of vulnerable right, and right. to sing. Yeah, to sing. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I get I, one example of that. I think like to me, like someone like mm-hmm. Carl Thomas is a punchline. Yeah. Like, like, <laughs> right, Carl right. Thomas. Like, uh, what is he doing right now? Nothing. Well, he probably didn't he go to. I think he went to gospel. Damn, we can we can see. I want to say gospel. <laughs> it's like, possible. You know, like, but, well, but I don't know. Had did he fulfill his contract with Bad Boy? Probably not. Because if he hasn't, no one ever does. He's yeah. not. He can't do a gospel album. <laughs> no but I feel like does. um, like you have all these songs that people love, but somehow like we don't see anymore. So like like you said, you put on a '90s R&B playlist, and people are like, oh, I remember jam, this. yeah. Oh, snap. <laughs> Oh, Carl Thomas, I wish. Oh, snap. But it's like no one's doing that anymore. No. It's and, like we yeah. forgot how or maybe we just don't want to do it anymore. Maybe like, you know, the the prospect of the music is, is more in, in, is more enticing than actually doing the music, you know? Yeah. It, um, I think I look at it as part part of a, like a, a cultural thing. Like it's not it's not cool mm-hmm. to sing anymore or it's not cool to sound like any kind of vulnerable like that's why i brought up carl thomas i, I think he's a, he's a punchline and or guys like because uh, I, I just pulled up carl thomas and then on spotify you can look at the related artists and they list eric benet and See, jaheen right and dave hollister and case and donnell and, jones and even with jaheen and, and dave hollister they they also kind of kind of crossed over mm-hmm. into more of that gritty grimy r&b type of thing i don't know it's like first and foremost like all the love got sucked out of r&b yeah (laughs) like completely sucked out now it's just really vulgar really do you think hip-hop did that yes uh and and i I love (laughs) hip-hop adore it but i just feel like hip-hop success and its instant gratification to its artists made a lot of people who were in the r&b field kind of shy away i mean look at what r kelly did how many yeah. times have we seen R. Kelly flip now? Yeah. You know, he was doing it. He was doing this grown man thing in the two step. And then he kind of seen that that wasn't cool no more. Then he started, you know, going back to kind of Doug R&B, Doug Love type of thing. And that's kind of what R&B has become now. It's like ain't no more kissing and hugging. And even if you are kissing and hugging, you got to be gangster with it, holding a gun and being drunk, and smoking weed and stuff like that and loving at the same time. Like, the reminds of the uh, – uh, if anyone's seen Donald Glover's weirdo comedy special, <laughs> uh, it's like how Destiny's Child was singing about um, 
they had a song called Bills, Bills, Bills. Like, can you be <laughs> responsible? Can you help me pay my bills? And then they had a song called Soldier, which is about dudes smoking weed in the middle of the street. Right. Like, <laughs> you can't be a thug and a working man. And, and, <laughs> and when it comes to the women of R&B, we've kind of just turned all the way left, too. Because, yeah. you know, a lot of the songs used to, again, the love got sucked out of it. Now, you know, the Keisha Coles and all that other stuff. Now, it's, you know, my man ain't in. Eh, uh, these dudes ain't nothing. It's that kind of thing. And when it's not that, it's the I'm sexy, look at me. Uh, what's her name? Uh, K. Michelle. Mm-hmm. It kind of, you know, yeah. even with Beyonce, it's kind of like that. You know, look at me. Let me do my pose and my duck lips. And, and that's what my song is basically about. I think that might be the first time anyone has said duck lips on this podcast. Good, good. <laughs> yes, yes, that sticks out. But no, you're right. You're exactly right. Um, like I think about someone like a Tanashi. She's a really good singer. Yes, she mm-hmm. is. She's also really good looking. And that's like, I feel like that's all they felt she had to offer was that she's good looking. So they're like, all right, well, let's just make this, let's make this video. Let's get you mm-hmm. out there in a, in a, you know, bathing suit on the, on the right, beach. Right, I think, do you think like songs like, um, well, certain songs made by a Beyonce or a Rihanna, which crossed over into pop. Do you think I like to me? I feel like that is hurt R&B as well, because, um, well, as critical as Ben is of Beyonce, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, you can kind of say kind of the same thing about Rihanna, like as a vocalist. Okay. She's okay. okay. Yeah. yeah. She can carry a tune. Right. Um, but with her music, it was it's kind of been all over the place. It yeah, started off, maybe weird. it was going to be kind of reggae influenced, mm-hmm. and then it became like straight pop, and then there was a little R&B, and now it's more her music is more hip-hop influenced. Mm-hmm. I would right. say that's how uh, Beyonce's music is as well. Right. So um, do you think it's I, I think part, so I think part of it not that now is that hip-hop has influenced what R&B has become, if it still exists, and what has become probably is to get like the hip hop producer to produce the R and B songs. You don't get those true R and B songwriters like our last episode. We talked about R Kelly. We've also had an episode about like a baby face. Mm-hmm. You don't have those guys anymore. Well, one, because they've gotten older. So their fans have gotten older, mm-hmm. but it's younger people who are influencing what's popular in music. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think we kind of agree that hip-hop is oh, made R&B yeah. music what it is. It's crushed um, it. <laughs> I mean, like, look at Chris Brown. Chris Brown wants to be a rapper. Yes. So yeah. He wants to be a rapper. He wants to be a, wants to be a gangster. Uh, I mean, we've seen the same thing from Trey Songz. Mm-hmm. He was a lover. Now he's kicking people in the face and stuff at <laughs> Trey, concerts. <laughs> Trey Songz, like, it was, it, was such, it was such a weird thing. Like, it, probably if you hear it now, it's probably not so weird. But to me, when, he, when Trey Songz said, uh, he's the hardest nigga in the R&B. <laughs> It's like what? What is going on here? What kind of who's trying to be that? And then, like, was that supposed to be? Is that a necessary title? It's it's crazy. Has he lost the title (laughs) since then? then? Another thing was the the just severe drop off of the R and B groups. Oh yeah, find me an R and B group these days. Women or men. The last R and B group 
uh, was date. Yeah. I mean, Jagged Edge went from Jagged just getting married oh, to yeah, Jagged Edge. I forgot about them. Then you know, they started smoking dope all over the place. Like it, like it, it just all mm-hmm. came the, so rap lifestyle influence. Yeah. The last R and B group I thought that was attempted was like bring this back to Bad Boy Day Twenty Six. Yeah. Maybe, to where maybe. they were, they were okay. I'm like. When you watch it, like, okay, I understand what Dave's trying to do. He wants, you know, an R&B group because he's he's stuck in the time of the popularity of Boys mm-hmm. to Men right. and Jodeci. New Edition <laughs> and Jodeci. But no one's listening to that kind of music anymore. I mean, and it could have been like uh, it was still a time where NSYNC and Backstreet Boys are still popular. But it was kind of like at the end of that right, kind of right, era. Right. Um so yeah, you don't you don't see the the arm work to where the focus is on the vocals, right? Um, and I mean we've got yeah. it so bad now where you see, I mean, uh, Escape is trying to come back. Yeah, I mean that's where we are right so now. now. That's why I say it's dead. Like, these R and B groups Escape are SWV. on the on the nostalgia yeah. these nostalgia tours. Escape now, oh, they're trying to come back. Happy. I mean it's it's kind of crazy right now. It's, uh, it's a of, and, and it's yeah. to me what's so confusing about it is that. Like we mentioned Drake earlier, and Drake mm-hmm. has these legions of fans, and a lot of them are female. It just boggles my mind why nobody's like picked up the ball and said, "You know what? Women like music. Women mm-hmm. like dudes. <laughs> Women like dudes who like <laughs> sing." <laughs> Let's bring some of this back and start singing to the women. Like you want the women to appeal, but we're giving them so much of I don't know. Well, I think this hardcore type yeah. of stuff. Well, I think with that, like that void has been filled by pop music. I think um, because, and I think You're that's right. why you have like Ariana who might try to cross over to pop music, or certain artists who want to cross to pop music because there's just more money. So it's, it's a wider audience. Mm-hmm. You're appealing to more people. You're going to sell more records versus like, well, I can just make this R&B track and and try to appeal to this one group of people who may or may not support me, who may or may not like me. Because if you like bombing as an R&B artist versus bombing as a pop artist, the fall is a little bit, you know, it's just like as a pop artist, you know, like a disappointment is half a million records. You know, that might be a disappointment where it's like, you know. And if you're doing straight R&B, that's a triumph. Is it like, you What? Like... Like I, I think like someone like Akay Michelle has been has gone gold, and yeah. that's a big and that's success for a, her. Yeah, to where okay, the label's giving her another album. Her, right? Yeah, exactly. We didn't drop you, so, <laughs> um, so like that's I, I imagine that's why. And I mean, and maybe it's a it's a it's a certain type of artist that can cross over. I mean, and it's kind of like you see the same thing. Not to not to go off topic, but you see the same thing in other genres. Like everybody wants to be that crossover artist, even country artists, where they have like diehard legions of fans who will buy their records, right. still want to cross over to pop music because I can who I can make money off appearances, my songs licensed. There's so many things that would you include over. the Nickelback of country in that? Florida, Florida Georgia, Georgia. Oh, they probably want to cross over so bad. That's why they did that song with. Um, with Chainsmokers, right? Um, yeah. On their album. They probably, they're trying to cross over. But see, and, I, they, and they got Nelly on one of their songs, And too. I think that's what's so... Uh, that's also what's unfair about it. Mm-hmm. Because, uh, you know, the, to me, with R&B, that music still does appe- appeal to the masses out there. Look at Sam Smith. Mm-hmm. Sam Smith did that, that cover to Latch. Mm-hmm. That's basically Tank. Sing, to put Tate Tank and sing that same song. Had, with I the would not have believed that was a British white dude. Right. Like, I remember the first time I saw it, 
uh, it was just a video of him singing. With, I guess with um, I f- I'm forgetting the name of, of the DJs on Latch. Disclosure. Disclosure. Mm-hmm. Of course, you know they're playing their instruments, and like Sam Smith is in a booth, hat on, like a hood on, and sunglasses, right. and he's singing. And I was like, no way, this is the dude. This just has to be a guy that they work with. And then I found out who Sam Smith was. Dude can sing, don't get me wrong, but like I would have never been like, oh yeah, that's Sam Smith. Right. Like the you know the pale British white dude. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> like, Sam Smith. <laughs> seriously, when I first heard the song, the acoustic version of the song, yeah. I, I, I was like, damn, Tank, Tank came back swinging. But I'm just saying, like, if Tank were to do that song, it wouldn't have the same crossover appeal and mm-hmm. success as uh, Sam Smith. And I think that's one thing that is unfair about mm-hmm. about you know r&b is that there are a lot of very very talented singers out there who like you said they would have to cross over to pop to get that same Mm -hmm. type of audience well to get a little into that uh one of the reasons in this article uh that say r&b is die is are are the white artists who are becoming who are popular on on r&b charts uh they have example here in 2013 44 out of the 52 weeks including 37 straight weeks the number one song on Billboard's Hot R&B Hip Hop Songs was by a white artist. Right. Um, and examples they have are uh, Justin Timberlake, Adele, and Robin Thicke. Uh, you can add Sam Smith to that. Mm-hmm. Um, and even, I'm trying to think of there, if there was someone else out there that I'm missing. But um, do you... Uh, these artists are able to do R&B style music. Right. Um, and yeah, it's like if it were a black artist, would that song be as popular? Like, So when when you see something like that, because I think I, I know I put a post on Facebook it was probably like a couple of years ago, but it seemed like how are the uh, the British white British artists and Australian artists <laughs> are, are doing these R&B songs? Right. Um, and they're becoming popular, but you know, um, are they ju- are they doing it better? Are they just are they making better music than the no, black artists could in America? I think they, I think they have the luxury of, uh, and, and not trying to make this a racial thing, but let's face it, it is. Um, it's part of it. Yeah, you know, they have the luxury of having a backing behind them that can say, "Oh well, you know, this isn't rhythm and blues. This is R and B. This is, you know, this is our pop artist, mm-hmm. and we can cross over between the pop station, the, the top one hundred station on the dial, and they can also get play on the urban stations as well." However, when you have an R and B artist, black R and B artist, who would sing that very same song, it wouldn't go beyond the urban station. Unless it was just really, really like it would have to be one of those song anomalies, you know, where it can cross over that far. Mm -hmm. You know, like uh, what's the song that Chris Brown did? I want to say it was him and Jordan Sparks. uh, No Air. No Air. Yeah. Like something like that. It had to be an anomaly where it's not an R&B song. It's a pop song. Mm -hmm. But it can be taken for an R&B song and it can get played across the dial. Do you think like part of that is that... um I guess it depends on the perspective of what R&B is. Like, it seems to be like it has to be specifically a like R&B. Okay, that just mean, that means a black person. Yeah, and, and I think a lot of times that's kind of how not only we 
but everyone else would also view R&B because usually when you discuss R&B, you're talking about Whitney Houston, Mariah Carey, mm-hmm. although she's half white, no, that's neither here nor there, uh, <laughs> Jagged Edge, Luther Vandross, Keith Sweat, on and on and on. You know, you typically, by and large, think of a black artist. Okay. Um, another, uh, we, we kind of talked about, I think we were start before we started recording, but as far as like, uh, too much focus on physical attributes and not enough on talent. Um, in the article, they put have a picture of Sierra. Um, another example that was brought up was Aaliyah. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was someone like Aaliyah. There was the there was a, a style and a mm-hmm. demeanor. She has this cool factor. And TLC was a, another example right. brought up. Um, do you think that that's true? That there's too much focus on physical attributes? Are we paying too much attention to how Rihanna or Beyonce looks and not? Is there too much focus on that rather than if they have the talent? Mm, so I would I say it's yes and no right. only because you know taking Ciara out of or Ciara have your surname out of this who is absolutely gorgeous but taking her out of this equation Rihanna can still is still a decent singer Beyonce is a phenomenal singer so you still have even though you do have like these artists that look really good they're still talented. So it's like their looks get them in the door. And this is why um, Adele was such an anomaly because Adele is not what you would normally see in a pop star. She's overweight. She smokes. She drinks whiskey. Um, she's just not like, you know, what you normally see. She doesn't look like a Beyonce who is, you know, who's built like she is and looks like she does. And so that's why I think like, yeah, we like it's important in pop music and R&B music for the person singing the song to look good. I mean, hell, D'Angelo did the video with the shirt off. Tank is ripped. Tank is huge. You know, they, they look, they're, these are good looking people, but they can also sing. Right. Tank can sing. Tyrese. Ty- Tyrese can sing. Right. Beyonce can sing. Um, Tanashi can sing. Um, all these people can still sing. So it's like, yeah, it's almost like the magician's trick. Like, look here, look here, but they can still sing. Like, my looks got me in the door, but look what I can do with my voice. Right. Um, uh, another thing that was brought up here was, uh, and we kind of talked about a little bit, was the producers. Um, like we said, we, we've done an episode on R. Kelly, Babyface, uh, Teddy Riley, Teddy Riley mm-hmm. Jimmy Jam, and Terry Lewis. Um, you know, uh, the, I mean, those are names that have like carried for decades, right. you know. Um, but in the in you know in recent years, it's like the the, the hip hop producer is the one doing the R and B songs. Right. So, do you think that we've that uh, we've gotten away from that as far as like someone focused on writing, you know, even if it's a, a danceable R and B song, that's fine. Uh, but as far as like any someone who's focused on the music part, not just where it's going to be played or do we need to have a a rapper do a verse on this song? Do you think we've gotten away from that? Yeah, I think this is, is again, where I feel like rap has kind of imposed on the genre of music and and taken it over. Um, You don't have, you know, those baby faces and and guys like they don't exist anymore. You know, guys growing up now, they want to be hip-hop producers. They don't want to be R&B producers. A lot of them don't want to be pop producers. You know what I'm saying? Like, they, they want to well, get a rapper. where the money is. It is. It is. But they want to get a rapper and, and blow them up and 
sell their tracks for five hundred thousand dollars and, and like that's the new dream like back in yeah. the day it was you know you wanted to be motown or yeah. you wanted to be LaFace or you want you know whatever you wanted to have a hot hip-hop group who could belt vocals put out hit songs sing about love and sex and stuff <laughs> and make a killing but now everybody wants to just come up with these club bangers and if you know if you can sing some you know Throw a little usher on there and do whatever, and we make a million dollars. Cool, but other than that, we're going back to this rap. Mm-hmm. Uh, bringing up usher, do you think like he's? Um, I'm trying to think of. We're talking about like the last R and B, the last great R and B group. Is he the last like great R and B singer? Because even he has kind of evolved or devolved, however mm-hmm. you want to look at it, into. Um, more of the of a hip hop based right. uh he dabbled in EDM for a while um I mean I'm not gonna knock his hustle I know what he was trying to do oh yeah but what were you trying to do <laughs> <laughs> he was working with like Diplo and yeah. even though OMG that was that was produced by like, Will I Am who is, also, who is what yeah. are you trying to do well you know I kind of I kind of <laughs> feel a, like that's a different conversation I kind of feel like <laughs> Usher started to kind of go through an identity crisis mm-hmm. like R. Kelly did you mm-hmm. know his his some of his best fans my girl was born in 1988 mm-hmm. so like she was one of his biggest fans mm-hmm they're starting to embark on 30 years old. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. he has to catch that younger audience now, yeah. you know, to be like, Oh, Usher. Oh, I kind of remember him from that song with Ludacris yeah. or, you know, something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Cause he was, well, he started to come kind of become the old dude in the club. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Like I got like, I have this impressive resume that nobody cares. Like it doesn't matter anymore. Nope. That I <laughs> it doesn't matter that I make confessions. Like they need, they want something now. They want to see. Like he's yeah. this close to being on tour with uh, yes. Escape. Right, <laughs> right. Because like, this one, when My Way came out, right. yeah. we wanna, that was middle school for yes. us. And I'm not ashamed to say I'm north of 30. So just think about that. You know, think about that. And that wasn't even his first album. No, His no. first album sounded like something by Jodeci. So, like, he's been around and for He a was, while. like, 13, 14 at right. the time. So. so he's been at this for a minute. I don't know how old he is, but he, he's, he's probably... In his, I know he's in his late 30s. Like he's, he's close 30s. to 40. Yeah. He's close to so 40. So it's like, he probably was like, I got to do something. Like, everyone around me is doing this electronic stuff. Let me try to stay ahead of the curve and, like, do this. And it just didn't, like, OMG was, 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 was big. But, like, I feel like everything else kind of fell flat on his face. Like yeah. I don't, I don't, and then he went back and did an R&B album where he did, um, what was it, uh, Me Against, um, Me Against Me, Raymond versus Raymond, Raymond versus yeah. Raymond, yeah, with you know Papers and um, Little Freak and all that stuff, and there goes my baby, which was more of a traditional R&B. So I guess maybe at that point he was like, whatever, I'm just, I'm just gonna do me, and he, you know, yeah, you're gonna lose a few fans, but like, you know, you're still, he's, he, I feel like he needs to learn the Nora Jones lesson. Old people buy music. Right. I wish a lot of them would learn this. <laughs> like Nora Jones, Michael Buble. Like, just understand that people over 30, we got jobs, man. We got income. That we'll come a, to your adult concert, contemporary <laughs> market. We'll buy your records. Like, he should do is, what Sylvia yeah, do. That, that could be a, yeah. that could pretty, that could be a, a rich market. Yeah. Um, Cause like, yeah. yeah, like Michael Buble might be considered a one hit wonder, but he sold at least 3 million records every album consistently no matter what he does that's why he's got the hot wife that's why he's got the yacht right <laughs> we look like we look like this like we talked about on our last episode babyface uh working on an album with johnny mathis mm-hmm. 
okay, someone is like footing the bill for Babyface <laughs> and Johnny <laughs> Mathis to do an out. That means somebody's gonna buy it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> somebody's buying that. So he, I think he needs to like don't try to cater to because like young people just started getting into this and they don't even buy music. They just stream. They just, it. Right. They just steal it. They just stream it or they steal it. So like go to the older people or artists leak it themselves. Right. Who don't want to like hang out? I don't have time. Like I tried to torrent something that takes too long, man. <laughs> just give me a way to buy it that's not too expensive. Is it on iTunes yet? Yeah, like I, just, I got a Spotify account. Yeah, Is it up on Spotify? Yeah, I'll stream it. Just show me fact. I got a premium Spotify yeah. account. <laughs> so like, for someone got. like him, like I think he needs to embrace it, you know, and don't try to be that young that young cat. You right, know? he's too talented for that. And yeah, and he and he has to look back at guys where it didn't work out that well for it, like. 112, like yeah. Jagged Edge. Oh, Guys like that, like, you know, they tried to go the thug route and, and it didn't work out well. So, you know, and I wish R. Kelly would just come on and let go and get on board too. Just, you know, look, I we grown he, now. We're grown up. Well, I think he's. Focus. He yeah, because he's he's trying to do like he's from Chicago, so he's trying to do Chicago house music yeah, now. <laughs> he's trying to do some of everything all the time. Um, another, well, kind of. Uh, in that in that room, another reason that they had on here was that the artists are too limited um, as far as subject matter. Like, OK, it says here one one has to wonder why mainstream black music once rich with R&B that promoted love, tenderness and substance now includes two types of songs. Vapid pop numbers by artists who sound more like robots than real people <laughs> and commercial rap tracks that glorify violence, materialism and misogyny. All right. Um, it says it's not in hard to in hard not to conclude that this shift in style, one that minimized music of positivity and substance, was orchestrated by record label and radio executives in an effort to reshape the sound of black music and perhaps the perception of black people. I don't know if it's that deep. The reason I, I mean, would what do you say guys think I don't think so is because this happens in every single genre of music. Yeah. At some point, rich people who have a track record are going to decide how music should sound. That's why um, to go like to go back to the eighties when hair metal was big. All right, so we, we we dropped this Motley Crue record. Go find me four bands out of Los Angeles on the Sunset Strip that sound like Motley Crue. And then you get Winger yeah. and uh, Poison. Yeah, these guys are <laughs> and they, LA they Guns. Can, they can <laughs> so the same thing happens with with grunge. Go find me some people that sound like Nirvana, and and then and then, and then with grunge that killed hair metal, yeah. right? So and <laughs> so. then with with gangster rap in the early in the early nineties, go find me somebody that sounds like N.W.A. Going to snap music in the early two thousands, go find me someone who sounds like them franchise. So that, like just, that's why we got. That's why we had Bad Boy South. Yeah. I don't know if any. I don't know if that that <laughs> that imprint exists anymore. Mm-hmm. But we, yeah, we got Bad Boy South out of that. Yeah. But we had a lot of, like, okay, get me, uh, like with Lil John. Okay, let's get some guys and and get me let's Yang, make music. Yang it sounds like so that sounds like, like Lil John yells and, and raps about right. the club, like right. that, and that's what was popular. So like. If when it hits, like then it's out of my hands. Like right. it, when it yeah. hits, I got to give the people what they want. So I'm gonna go find everything I can find that sounds like this, and it's just remained popular. Like it keeps because I mean, like you really want to tell me that some record executive created Lil John? Like, <laughs> Lil John's been around since the '90s, man. Right. Like who you with? Get crunk. I mean, I don't know. He was. I saw this video for. Um, it was a a song for. He worked for So So Def at some point. He was like mm-hmm. a DJ for them because it was this. 
it was this uh, Latin artist, and she was doing a cover of a song, but it had that like Miami bass or Atlanta bass sound. Was it I know Jay. No. Okay, because was like she did that. All I think the time. her name was like Karina. <laughs> okay. Um, and it had that sound, and he was the he was the DJ. He was like scratching everything, yeah. and this was this was on so so what a compilation for so so deaf. So he's been around even. Yeah, before yeah, then, he's been, around for, <laughs> he's been around for like I I remember him from middle school. He's another person I remember from middle school. Yeah. So I think the like with the trend, like okay, let's get people who sound like this. Mm-hmm. I think that person now we haven't really brought him up. I don't know if you consider him R and B or pop or uh, I've also seen the the term PB R and B, which is like like PBR, PBR. like the beer. Yeah, <laughs> it's PBR and B. I, is that it sounds like black hipster right. music? Yeah, that's what it kind of sounds like. Uh, but like someone gifts. like The Weeknd. Well, I think like because mm-hmm. of the success of The Weeknd, that's why we have a Bryson Tiller, someone mm-hmm. who can. Um, they have this different sound vocally. Yeah. He's genre, he's like a genre chameleon, I think. Because like the the early mixtapes, like I don't know, he's he's I can't define him. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> a, a lot of these guys, though, to your point, are basically genre chame- chameleons. Yeah. Like they're not really they're not really singers. Mm-hmm. They're not really rappers. They're just somewhere in the middle. And this is kind of what the people want now is mm-hmm. somewhere in the middle. They don't want it to be too rappy, mm-hmm. but they don't want it to be too, too <laughs> R&B. And I even hear like I hear like so I'm thinking of in my head right now, Wicked Games, electric guitar, um, distorted electric guitar, like, you know, very distorted bass on the chorus has some rock elements like the the weekend. If anything, he loves to then he gets Daft Punk, an EDM duo. To produce half of his his new album, like he he just he he genre skips. That's what I think at least. He just goes around whatever and, he likes. He does. And this is kind of what killed rock and roll too. With yeah. you know the EDM and and pop and everything like you know people kind of like the guitar, but they don't Not want solos and <laughs> six minute songs. What was that? Uh, who was that band with uh, the Almond Brothers? That we, when we had Tim on, yeah, mm-hmm. and the song that Looking was like, close. yeah, and they just did like fifteen. <laughs> so it's funny enough, Matt and I, we went to Wild Wing Cafe in Alpharetta, and there was this band up there. They were they were a self proclaimed jam band, and so all they would do is like they start playing a song, and then they would just solo. And do you remember David Pippen from Carrollton? Yeah. Their their lead guitar player looked like David Pippen. His ego was so big, he was in the middle. <laughs> Not the singer. The singer was the bass player. Who's off to this side? The guitar the player was in the middle, wow. playing all these solos. Looked so bored, and they played a they played a version of Last Dance of Mary Jane that, that had to go on for twenty minutes. Oh my god! Like just when we thought that we're done, oh, bring it back up. <laughs> and that's what that made me think of. And um, yeah, you're right. People don't want that because people were leaving. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, bringing that up with like uh, the real instruments. Um, there are no more bands. Everything is done on a mm-hmm. computer. Right. I know I, I, I can attest to that. We're recording this podcast with a, a mixer and a computer, and I, you know, I can edit it in five seconds. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but um, the way that they brought it up here is like between the 60s and the 80s, you had the you had the bands or, or at least, a you know, a house band like uh, with Motown with the Funk Brothers. Um I can't remember the. I don't know if they were associated with a certain label, but the Wrecking Crew. Uh, they did a lot of stuff during the '60s. Um, Who played I, with Stacks down in Memphis? What was that? I think that was was that. I think that was the Barcase. Okay. 
but you know, you know, a house band, and yeah. then they and then they became popular on their own. Um, but plenty of bands like Earth, Wind, and Fire, Slime, Family Stone. This is who they reference here: Rose Royce, Parliament, Funkadelic, the Gap Band. Uh, you can look at Daz Band and Brick. Mm-hmm. Like you're not going to see bands where like these guys had nine people. Right, <laughs> and right. You're and not going to see stuff they like that anymore. Instruments like yeah. they contributed something. Like I looked on um, an album credit for the Gap Band. Probably wasn't played like four instruments. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and like now he's doing his singing. But like if you didn't know any better, like he played flugelhorn on there. Like they literally <laughs> listed he played flugelhorn on the track. Like who did they know was a flugelhorn? Is? Right. <laughs> like, um, and it said the last true R and B band in R and B history was the nineties band Mint Condition. Um, I think you can, if they had, I think like, if you took like the roots, you can get them a lead singer yeah. and they, and I think they'd still be successful. Yeah. So they're, 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 uh, a hip hop band, but you, you don't even see anything like that anymore to, mm-hmm. with real instrumentation. But people love it though. That's what kills me. Like people love the stay that they're doing on Fallon. People mm-hmm. love to see them play. But like then it never translates to records. Yeah, <laughs> like that's what like that's they can't like confusing. they can't go make an album now, and it'd be successful. To to your point though, look at what they did with Cody Chestnut. Could that have been something big if he was like a permanent member of that group? I because that's still their I feel like it could thing. have. I like their, I yeah. I thought he was in the band. Yeah. <laughs> I thought he the was. The reason I knew who he was is because MTV did a thing like a segment on him, so I knew he was from Atlanta. I've heard the original version of the Seed. That's what they called it, the C 2.0. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, like, that, that would answer your question. Like, how would the Roots do with the lead singer? They had a hit, man. Like, they had a top <laughs> ten hit. Um, uh, basically, says with this point, like, all instruments are now digitized. Um, I think it was already going that way probably in the late 90s. Yeah. Um, we talked about, like, especially with R. Kelly, there were a lot of songs to where. Is yeah. that like a synthesized right. digital uh, you know <laughs> is that an acoustic guitar for real or is that like <laughs> something that was just programmed in um but you're kind of seeing that and then with programs like you know uh uh garage band or people use fruity loops you know it kind of takes the um it kind of takes the 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 playing out of it it's yeah. you're just hearing sounds well it's cheaper and faster right you know it's like like you, like I don't know how often you go on Craigslist, but you'll see someone like I got a studio. And like so, in my mind as a musician, when I think of studio, I'm thinking large space. Right. You got a room where I can put my drums, mm-hmm. I can put my amp, you can put my guitar. Then you got a vocal booth, and the picture is just like a computer desk <laughs> and a, and a mic. Closet. Th- this is a studio, yeah, this man. Is a studio, this, man. The dining room studio right. is a studio, <laughs> and it's just like, and it's like that's what it's kind of become. But like. That's cheap to do. Like rather than having to go into this really big studio somewhere at like Tree Sounds, I can just get a laptop, go in my bedroom, and bang out an album in a weekend. You yeah. couldn't do that. You can't do that with live instruments. No. Well, you, you can't see that now. Like um, a friend of mine, she's uh, I don't know. If she's making a mixtape, or you know, she's just recording tracks in a studio, or whatever. But well, she's not in a studio. Mm-hmm. She's at someone's apartment. Yeah, she has a mic. It has a pop filter on it. Mm-hmm. So I guess that. You know, makes, makes it, it qualify. Legit, yeah. <laughs> um, and then there's a guy sitting at a computer programming everything together. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the, I guess the 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 you don't need. Is it like it seems like you don't need a whole lot of skill? Right. Uh, you just need an ear. I mean, yeah, an ear is, is great. 
I mean, I, I, that's made me feel like I could do it. I have an ear, <laughs> but I can't play anything. <laughs> um, but uh, without it, it's the point that it makes here is also um, are there? How can the genre call itself R and B without real bands? Do you do you think that's a fair point? No, I, I don't think you need. I don't think you need real bands anymore. I mean, if we if we look at some of the you know most historical singers that we've had amongst the genre, they didn't need a real. Did Luther Vandross need a real band to make amazing music that he's made? No, <laughs> like he yeah. could he could he could literally stand there and sing something acapella and blow everybody's mind. But I guess what the thing is with that, like if when Luther toured, he had a live band, right? But now, if you look at uh, one thing that was weird to me, like I wa- I watched Love and Hip Hop Atlanta. <laughs> Guilty pleasure. Guilty pleasure. But um, on one season, they had a guy. He was he was Chris Brown's tour DJ. Mm-hmm. I was like, what? What do you mean by that? A DJ. But he when Chris Brown performs, he has a DJ. He doesn't have a live band. Mm-hmm. It's a DJ. So it's someone just like playing the track. It's karaoke. He's a. He's a soundboard operator. Yeah. <laughs> um, so even with live shows, I mean, I mean, Chris Brown may, you know, he may be able to do a great live show because he's a he's a dancer and performer and all that. But without the live band, I feel that there's something missing with that. It, like if you're taking that now, you're taking that out of live shows. How can people stay? I don't know how can uh, how can people stay engaged? Like how what how's the experience different yeah. if you just have a guy? Maybe he's on a rides or something or some kind of platform with a computer, mm-hmm. and um, and then you have the guy perform, and that's the same thing with like rappers now, to where there's no live band. So if it's crossing over into R and B, um, unless you're J. It, Cole. It, now it's not <laughs> even visually interesting. Like I saw, or I went to see uh, the group King. Uh, they played at Center Stage uh, last year, and yeah, it's just three of them. Two of them are, sing- are singing, but one of them had all the. She was on the platform with like all this, st- all these synthesizers and keyboards. She had a computer too, but still, she was at least playing an instrument. She wasn't just pressing, you know, play on a on a computer. Well, I mean, I I still don't think that the band is as as much of a necessity, so to speak, it just really depends on what type of performer you are. I mean, look at look at the rappers out here. They don't have bands. They got DJs and 600 of their closest friends that are on the stage. And, I mean, to me, I, I hate rap concerts because that's basically what it is. <laughs> this one guy, you came to see this guy. You're seeing his whole hometown on the stage. And, and they the all DJ got a mic, right? And everybody got a microphone. They took the MC Hammer. Rapping the song with him. <laughs> So, I but mean, see, with MC Hammer, he had he had dancers. He though. had dancers. <laughs> At least he had that. The you know the it security guard on stage. Oh god, like, it was a spectacle to see MC hey, Hammer. Hey man, show. what do you do? I stand over. I stand here on the stage like this. Why? Hammer You'll thought I had no job. <laughs> <laughs> so I have seen like I've seen a couple of rappers with bands. So I saw Flo Rida. He had a band. Didn't sound very good, but he had a band. Right. Um, so one of the so one of the better ones I've seen was J Cole. J Cole has a live band, mm-hmm. and it adds an element of spontaneity to it because you're not just hearing the same track. And he performs with that band so much that he knows when they're going to do what, and he knows how to really interact and play it up a little bit. So right. I think it it adds something to it. But I mean, like you 
you're right. I mean, like, it's. I don't think it's necessary. It just depends because I'm a musician, so I love live music. Right. Literally, live music. I love to see people enjoy playing their instruments. So I'm a different fan. A lot of people don't care though. Mm-mm. Like they just want to see and, that person. Right, and that's the perspective I'm, I'm mm-hmm. coming from. Uh, you know, the the majority doesn't really yeah they don't care, care who's up there or not. It just yeah. it just really all depends on what type of performer mm-hmm. are you. Yeah, I have. Um, uh, I think with a lot of R&B army artists that that we know we may know them because we're black but (laughs) um i think to a larger audience we may not know some want some a larger audience may not know some artists that we know of but they're we know how talented they are Mm -hmm. we we think that they're popular but they're probably not as popular as they should be right um one name that always comes up i know i know a lot of girls who like keisha cole um even though, right. <laughs> yeah, you know, that is, that is questionable. Uh, my sister has seen her in concert, so she's not very good live. But oh. people like still would go see Keisha Cole in concert. But is it going to be at Phillips? No. No. Is it going to be at the Tabernacle? Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Um, but like that's where I think it was a couple weeks ago. Trey songs of that tabernacle Mm -hmm. but i don't think he would be he hasn't got he's not he he wouldn't have a show at a phillips Mm -hmm. i don't know if there's a venue bigger than tabernacle uh as far as like in atlanta but Mm -hmm. um he would he had a show at tabernacle i've also seen a band um well i haven't i haven't seen them but someone like anthony hamilton right Mm -hmm. i think he's immensely talented Mm -hmm. um you know it reminds people who who grew up in the church um, and you know, and that, uh, and in that, um, uh, that realm of R and B singers, especially from the seventies, mm-hmm. he has that feel, but would he have a show at Phillips? No. no. Tabernacle. I really, I'm really not sure about that one. <laughs> You know, even though he'll have a show with the live band, mm-hmm. people know his backup singers now because they have a sense of humor, but um, I mean, you don't see, uh, there's probably someone listening to this right now. They have no idea what I'm talking about right now. Um, I would hope they know Anthony Hamilton. <laughs> <laughs> look, no, hey, no, look, we, we, we don't know. We're running out of time a little bit. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I think one, one factor that resonates is very true. That was in that statement was that, uh, a lot of the art, a lot of the artists right now are immensely limited. Mm-hmm. And when I mean limited, I mean, vocally limited. Um, they're not they, that unfortunately until we see otherwise they don't make them like they used to be no. uh, you know they come in if you can hold the tune for maybe five seconds they'll let the computer figure out the rest for you and um I, the last really good r&b concert that i seen an r&b performance that i seen was alicia keys and this was five, six years ago and uh she was great had a great time seeing her. Uh, Melanie Fiona opened up for her. This was at Phillips. She sold out the building. It was cool. And um, then later on that year, I went to see Sade. Blew my mind. Best concert I've ever been to in my life. But it, I, I think the limitations, not only vocally, but the limitations of um, how much you're putting out music, too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Marsha Ambrosius, in my opinion, should be her and Jill Scott should be on top of the world right now in R&B. 
but when's the last time they came out with a single or album or anything? Jill seems, Scott three years ago? Yeah, it seems like he's, they've begun to kind of limit themselves to a degree, it looks like, where I think that's another big um, big reason that R&B is really dying off because a lot of the, the, the really good ones that we are all big fans of have just kind of, you know, well, I'm going to cash out right now and I'm going to chill mm-hmm. for three, four years before I come out with another album. And it, it might be a creative thing as well, like like you've mentioned um, I think there are we've had an episode about the the hit factory um, to where, you know, people who know of it was a song uh, Never Gonna Give You Up by Rick Astley. <laughs> uh, they did that song and many others. And we know and their songs had a, you know, it's by them mm-hmm. right away. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and their process was, OK, we write the song. We're going to program everything in um, then find the artist and. Yeah, they might not even have the artist yet. Or if they knew who it was going to go to, then they bring them in and recording the vocals was the last part of the process. Right. And I think that's how it might be now in in hip hop and in R&B to where um, the beat is made. They know what the song's going to be. They may have written the song already. And I guess another step would be if it's going through other hands, like with the, the dream example that you had, mm-hmm. it's going through other hands. And then the artist comes in at the 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 singer comes in at the end right. mm-hmm. to record it and it's just put out there. So maybe the creative process has, you know, a lot of times I would think, okay, I know Luther didn't write a whole lot, but he had the people around him who were writing specifically for him. Yeah. You know, it wasn't just, Oh, we'll just get anybody. Right. Um, or if you look at uh, like Marvin Gaye's process, he's playing all the instrument or, you know, with Stevie wonder, mm-hmm. they're playing all the instruments. They're writing the songs. They have mm-hmm. people around to work with, but they're being creative as well. And I think, um, and you probably saw that later with, within R Kelly, mm-hmm. but you're not seeing that anymore with anyone else. Right. Yeah. That's I, I, as a matter of fact, I'm glad you brought that up. We have really lost the R and B singer songwriter. Oh yeah, like that's gone. Like I thought Neil was gonna bring it back, but he just he just couldn't. He didn't put that yeah. that that really. I think good because of although his, I did love religious, I thought that was. A, I had to check that out. I thought it was a great song. But his just, his pop sensibilities mm-hmm. uh, kind of like really kept that from happening. Yeah. I don't think R and B. Uh, I, I, it's hard to consider neo R&B really yeah. but like as far as those songwriters go I mean the best we've got right now is alternative R&B because these are still the people who are still writing their songs you know your Anderson Packs, your um, The Weeknd he still writes his own stuff and to a degree although I, I, I still consider him a genre skipper is Bruno Mars yeah. So like he just put out an album with songs that are very R&B. It's New Jack Swing. It's New Jack. It's a New Jack Swing, Jack Swing album. Um, and we know that he's writing the songs. <laughs> um, outside of that, you don't really have many in the mainstream that are that are still writing their own songs and singing them. And I think that goes a long way, at least in my opinion, it does. And I think R and B is kind of one of those those genres where you are better served by having those type of talents mm-hmm. too that are you know kind of song yeah. right in sing like rap you can get by you know and have a long fruitful career with ghostwriters and mm-hmm. people just put some crap together for you just to go and <laughs> move and do it but i think like genres like rock and roll and r&b 
you kind of need you those got you people. gotta have someone even if even if the the singer is not writing it right someone in the, some, the writer song. is writing the song with a particular singer in mind right. it's not mm-hmm. just getting anybody but like i'm writing this song for if i wrote this for anthony hamilton mm-hmm. i want him to sing it or if i'm bringing in um uh, a bruno mars even though he'll probably write something himself right. but they're familiar with their style yeah, yeah. You're familiar. You're familiar with someone's vocal style too. So uh, that's why, like, even though like the music has become more producer driven, it's really just making it's a factory, <laughs> like making beats. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, produ- like you can make a beat and call yourself a producer, but right. that's not mm-hmm. all that is. As a matter uh, of fact, yeah. that reminds me of to go back to that um, interview with the Dream. He talked about his writing process for Umbrella. They didn't have necessarily Rihanna. They didn't necessarily have her um, in mind for that. Like, it was just a song that him and Tricky came up with. They even played some of the reference track. Like, he wrote it very quickly, like Mm -hmm. that. And so it's just like, you know, it wasn't really, you know, written with anyone in mind. It says, hey, we got this song. Let's write it. All right, now let's find somebody to sing it. All right. Um, Would it have been better served finding someone better to sing it? I don't know, because... You always hear about, you know, like, well, this person wasn't supposed to sing this song. They passed on it, so it went to this person, right? Well, what would have happened if this person sung it? You know, like, you hear that about... um, I think, didn't Britney Spears pass on Umbrella? Like, somebody passed on Umbrella, and it went to Rihanna. Um, But, like, there's songs like that all over. Um, Like, I I remember uh, reading about If I Were Were a Boy, which necessarily no one really passed on it, more so just, you know, Beyonce stole it from Haley, (laughs) Haley Duff. (laughs) <laughs> Which is probably for the better. <laughs> but like, if you think about it, like, what did the Haley Duff version sound like? You know, because there's probably a demo of her because they were rushing to see who could get it out first. And Beyonce beat her. There, you know, you hear about that. Like this song, like I think Toxic was offered to somebody else first. Just like what could have happened? And I imagine like there's these beats just float around. Like this is a beat. This is a beat. Somebody write it. Hook. Yeah, you're just like songs are just written to mm-hmm. be to be shot. to be hits. Yeah. They're mm-hmm. not written to. It, I it you don't get the feeling that it's written with particular artists mm-hmm. in mind. Right. All or the time. if it was, that artist turned it down. Yeah, because yeah. I have heard about like, oh man, I really wanted so and so to sing this, but someone else did, and you know we were happy with it, but. Our first choice was this, you know. And in some cases, it works out. Like, mm-hmm. you know, told the story with uh, Rod Temperton wrote the song uh, Rock With You for his band, for Heat Wave. And they didn't want, and it. They didn't want right. it. So he gave it to Michael Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> um, so sometimes it, it can work out like that. But um, he was writing it for his own band to do it. And you don't, it, you don't get the feeling of that to where uh, songs are written for certain artists are just written to be put out there they just kind of do it as a money grab now yeah Yeah. you know who's ponying up basically to kind of get this i was like when i was still trying to do songwriting i had this one contact was like oh they're looking for songs and she just gave me a list of artists of people who are looking for songs i'm like none of these two people are the same (laughs) it's like what that's like brandy and then like someone else and someone else and someone else i was like "Mm, that's all right, well, thanks. Like, <laughs> I got nothing. Like, <laughs> and turn with that with producers and songwriters. That's why do you see like we talked about this with um, uh, with Brandon with I would see on YouTube and SoundCloud such and such type beats. Like this is a Chris mm-hmm. Brown type beat, like mm-hmm. a song that Chris Brown would sing over. 
And now you're seeing people who are trying to be songwriters or composers kind of limiting themselves. Right. Well, because trying to sound like something else that might be trying popular. Trying to sound like an artist. So to yeah. go back Instead to themselves. We dropped the Motley Crew. Let's go find four. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you're right. You know, we just dropped this film franchise, boys. What was the name of that club they always prefer? In, the in, Viper Room. Well, the Viper Room and then the Whiskey Go Go. Whiskey Go Go, that's the one thing. Like, <laughs> you know, them franchise boys are big. Let's get down to Bankhead and find some more, you know. And, like, because I, I swear to God, I, I felt like the only reason D4L got signed is because they were from Bankhead. Yeah. Like, people were, they just were like, go to Bankhead and find me a rapper. <laughs> like, John Hammond sending Robert Muldoon to get his grandkids. <laughs> like, get out in this Jeep and go find me a rapper on Bankhead. Like, that's what it was like, because they were just like, Picking them like just rappers were coming like the Sunset Strip in the eighties. They just find a rapper at Bankhead, like so much so that like Ti was like, "I'm from Bankhead." Like, <laughs> just, he just said it just to like get in on it. So like that's why they have those beats. Like man, if I make a Chris Brown type beat, maybe Chris Brown will get it, or someone who sounds like Chris Brown. Right. Is that kind of like how like Migos? Probably everyone thinks they're from Atlanta, right. but they're really more from Lawrenceville. Yeah, they are. Um, it sells, man. It sells. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I do that. If people ask me where, where I'm from, I say I say Atlanta because uh, Conyers is just too much to explain. Yeah. <laughs> Chris was in Paper Street. No joke. They were like, you're not from Carrollton. You're from Atlanta. They should have told him, like, you're not from Carrollton. Don't, if someone asks where you're from, you're from Atlanta. Because it's like, who's Carrollton? It's Carrollton. Like, like, where's that? What's that? It's West. Oh, in the country? Like, yeah, basically. <laughs> Like no, you're unless you're now if you're a country artist. Oh, I'm from Carrollton. Yeah, someone's from Macon. Oh, that's just outside Atlanta, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, just mm-hmm. yeah. a little bit. Rock uh, music can't be from the country. <laughs> um, anything else y'all want to add on this conversation? Do you, can R and B come back? Is there anything that can be done? I think it can come back, but I think it has to be. There's going to have to be a, a, a big effort and campaign, and this is all going to take money, of course, mm-hmm. you know, to to back it, to back quality talent who can sing, who can, you know, do their thing, be themselves, who aren't trying to be rock or aren't trying to be pop or rap at the same time while singing, you know, songs. I think that um, a lot of the subject matter has to change as well. Um, we got to a point where R&B is about eating groceries and, you know what I'm saying? You're <laughs> <laughs> eating something like yeah, groceries. Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> the aftermath of groceries. <laughs> I like that. I'm going to that. You know, and, and, and smoking dope and drinking to, before we, you know, have sex, the type of yeah. thing like that. Like, we got to scoop that type of stuff out and just chuck it out the window and let's just go back. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think it's going to take some strong and, uh, you know, strong minded and willful artists to be like, yo, all right, man, I ain't coming in here to smoke. You know, we can, we, like, I can sing can about be, smoking weed, but I want to talk about kissing my lady, hugging my lady. There can be, like I mean, there can be like raunchy, risque stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something like, like what R. Kelly was doing in the beginning or Jodeci. But I mean, even Jodeci sung I will I, I will always love you you know what I'm yeah, saying they still, yeah they still that's still like they still did still the was, love part that was of still it. like they did freaking you yeah, they did. but they but they still told yeah, you but that they, they still had you. forever my lady right <laughs> <laughs> we don't have that it's it's more it's more freaking you without the REK in it you know what I'm saying <laughs> <laughs> you know it's but, like there's no tact to the music anymore yeah it's just it's getting like it's 
it's getting straight to the point. There's no foreplay. Yeah, there's yeah, no yeah. foreplay. Yeah, and that's there's what no R&B, twelve play. And that's what R- <laughs> right. And that's what R and B is supposed to be. It's supposed to be the foreplay. It's supposed to yeah. be the the prelude. You know, and now you just want to go to just lewd. Just, yeah. just like that, you know. And because I I know a lot of people will say, uh, well, they took all the love out of it. Now it's just about sex, 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 sex. Well, hey, newsflash: we were born off of the same was, music was, that was, was always, always about, about sex. It was always about sex, but it's it was not, just there's no they use wordplay to get to yeah. the sex. And, and, and there was, was there were there was there was, there was code and and, yeah. and imagination. Yeah, like you know, Marvin would still say, "I want to make love to you," but he wouldn't say, "I want to sit down, we drink some liquor, and I <laughs> throw you on the table, and you give me some," you know, all that. <laughs> like, he wasn't doing all that. And I think we got to a point where now we just. We doing too much of that, and mm. it's it's we already have rap music for that. Yeah, <laughs> like now we now we got a bunch of two shorts in R and B, and I think that's kind of ruined the product. Um, um, I I when the, some of the stuff you said in the last like two minutes, <laughs> like that could, like oh that would be a good title. No, that would be a good title. <laughs> now now we got now we have choices for the the a title of this of episode. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, uh, yeah, Ben. Anything you want to add? Like, do, is there? Do you, what do you think it, it might take for R and B to, to come know, back man. at all? Like for me, my my paradigm is 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 early nineties R and B. Yeah. Um, <laughs> biggest influence, um, probably, and I guarantee you, um, people in their early twenties don't know who he is. Tony, Tony, Tony. Oh, Raphael, yeah. Raphael Sadiq. Man. One of my favorites. I I mean, I could probably listen to Sons of Soul straight through. Like, that was one of those. I still remember when I bought it. I remember the cover. My parents probably wondering, like, why is he listening to this? Like, he's <laughs> this is a little mature for him. But, like, you know, listening to it and being shaped by it. And it was songwriting. Yeah. Like, yeah. it was real songwriting. I don't know if we'll ever get back to that because I don't know if people want to hear that stuff. Like and when you read when I read up on Sons of Soul, like you hear, um, you know, uh, not Raphael, but um, Wiggins. I can't think of his first name. I think it's Michael Wiggins, talking about the type of guitar he played. <laughs> like he was like, oh yeah, I went with the Gibson with the you know the hollow body and mm-hmm. and like these are the sorts of things. Like when have you ever heard on a Chris Brown record where he talked about like even the microphone that he used. Like he, that's just like so. Like for me, like unless we can get that type of musicianship back into R and B, I don't think it's ever really gonna be the same because we're so far removed from it. Yeah. To where it's like, I think on um, on certain songs I'm hearing a real bass, but I don't know. Yeah. I just I just don't know, and that doesn't bother me. But it's just like we're not gonna get back to because it's just not that important anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I think even with. Uh, even if like everything's computerized, mm-hmm. uh, I think like the the composition, the writing is. It's just not there's no emphasis on yeah. that. It's mm-hmm. not good you writing. Know? I think it, I think another thing that will really be beneficial to it is to, to kind of make it cool again. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. there's like uh, Childish Gambino, for example. Um, I think he he's still not R and B. He's still kind of mm-hmm. you know in the middle, but I think that's a good start. But I think uh, just my idea. I would love to see a female artist on the forefront, right? Mm-hmm. Come through, you know, has the sex appeal, the look, the and, and be voice. a little experimental, right? Now, be say. able to sing like we got Erica Badu, but like mm-hmm. another Erica Badu type. But even with with Erica Badu, she's put out more material 
but I think a lot of people have mostly ignored that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, people. I I still like, go back to her extreme because yeah. for the most part, we all kind of agree she's kind of weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we need somebody who like has her talent, who can really sing, really do her thing, who mm-hmm. isn't weird, <laughs> who can like. <laughs> Captivate. I, I don't know if you, you know, can avoid. We got our Katy Perry's. We, we don't have our black Katy weird. Perry. We don't have our black Taylor Swift. We need that. I don't think you girl. can avoid being weird. Like to like with a an Eric. If we were looking for another Erica Baidu, you got to be a little weird. Yeah, to be that not, a little bit. Yeah, but not. But yeah, but not top. not Erica Baidu yeah, levels. Yeah, okay. That's not crazy <laughs> stuff. Like that. Um, got a little crazy on him. But yeah, I mean, it may take, uh, maybe there should be, like, if you, like, with Bruno Mars making a new Jack Swing record or Charles Gambino clearly influenced by Funkadelic, uh, maybe it would take someone going back and listening to that music yeah. and then being inspired by that. And then maybe it can, like, kind of start the ball rolling again yeah. with people being inspired by what was made there then then the influences are clear yeah i think uh, mark ronson's on a on a on a um a mission to do that because with with um really with before he even made uptown funk he was recreating like 70s soul style samples yeah he's he's, he's influenced by by the stack he sound he loves that yeah he loves the stack and you got, sound you also have october london who's under Snoop Dogg, mm-hmm. and uh, he's he's pretty good. He's kind of like a Curtis Mayfield nice. type. He, yeah, that's what, and that's probably what's going to take. And, uh, yeah, you want stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You want those guys who are different in their own way, who could actually be commercial. Because mm-hmm. I think Neo Soul tried it, yeah, but it was still it didn't know whether it wanted to stay underground or go mm-hmm. commercial. And then if you went commercial, oh, you sold out. Mm-hmm. It kind of shot itself in the foot. And I, I think right now you need people who are brave enough to try to push their music through, be themselves, and not be afraid to go commercial. Because yeah, there's a fan base out there. It's oh, just, yeah. yeah. It, it's just getting... Women, it's getting are, women are the fan base. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, that's who you want to appeal to. Like I was at the club when... when Versace, well, not Versace, but um, what's the other song? I can't even think of it because I hate it so much. That's um, what I like. That's what I... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> when it came on, like, all goes like, Hey, 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 I got a... Co-. Like, they all, like, they're all, like... And it was women. Yeah. Dudes were just saying, like, man, turn this off. Like, <laughs> and that's... You're right. Like, but, that, but, but that's like, what you that, want. That's the... That's, that's, that's R&B dying right there. Yeah. To where dudes cannot get with an R&B song like that. A clear and R&B song. And J's on, like, turn this off. And yeah. turn it back on some that is R and B dying right there or something. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> and that is like you said, that is R and B dying because <laughs> now you go into a bar or a club and you see sixty five dudes who want to dance with each other <laughs> instead of sixty five dudes who want to dance with forty girls who are you know slow grinding to a song. Like they're okay listening like, to Bruno Mars. Yeah, they're okay with it. You know. Yeah, um, that. Uh, there was a there was a point I wanted to make there. I totally forgot, but that's okay. <laughs> uh, so um, yeah, that will do it for our discussion about the um, the aura and B aura. Uh, aura. <laughs> aura, put the aura. Um, so we will get to my um, earworm of the week. Um, I don't I don't have a lot of throwback earworms, but I have one this time. Uh, 
as people who've listened to previous episodes, I have mentioned a couple of times I grew up listening to um, jazz fusion, quote unquote. Um, and there are a lot of artists in the 70s that um, they were a jazz artist, but then they had like very popular albums. Mm-hmm. And you know that's not happening today. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Definitely not happening. That genre is no recycle. <laughs> um, so um I had a I had a playlist that uh is basically like songs that remind me of summertime and a lot of these came out in the seventies. Uh okay. I first heard this sample by DJ Jazzy Jeff. Oh, yeah. Uh <laughs> to where that that's pretty much what he does. Quick question. Do you think that like Will Smith ruined DJ Jazzy Jeff's beats? Like the like if you listen to beats by itself they're amazing. But then you hear Will Smith rap on it as like, um, <laughs> did I ever tell you about the kid in high school who said that Will Smith was greater than Tupac? Oh my God. And he was serious. <laughs> he was beat up a lot. Well, we were so shocked. Like, oh, did, and he was just like, man, nobody could even like, he punch. was like that. He was serious. Yeah. Like, that he was Smith dead was, like, serious of all time. And then this kid goes like, yeah, cause you know, parents just don't understand, man. <laughs> <laughs> we, were, we were just sitting there like, Hmm. Okay, you're really going to ride this narrative. I mean, just think about, we get into an age now, man, where in about, uh, if he lasts this long, in about five years, people will say, like, Future is the greatest rapper ever. Like, just keep that in mind. I don't want to give you guys nightmares, but just just think about it. Well, it's already started with hearing that Kevin Durant saying that Kyrie is better than Allen Iverson. Drake is better than (laughs) Tupac. Prepare yourselves. This stuff is going to happen. Yes, Kevin Durant said that Kyrie... Is better than Allen Iverson. I I keep thinking of the Bill Murray line from Ghostbusters: "Cat sleeping with dogs." <laughs> like, oh god, what's going on here? The world we're coming to. <laughs> um, but this is an artist named uh, Bobby Humphrey, and okay. oh, you know what I'm talking about? Yes. All right, <laughs> that's good. That's good right there. So this is sorry, got a little feedback. But this is. Um, Harlem River Drive by uh, Bobby Humphrey from the album Blacks and Blues. And we'll be right back.
<laughs> All right, that is Harlem River Drive by Bobby Humphrey from the album Blacks and Blues uh, from. Okay, it says 1999, but I know wow. it was a lot earlier than that. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know the exact year, but it was back in the 70s. <laughs> um, so that's going to do it for our program. Uh, Aaron, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me, man. Um, welcome back anytime. Uh, I hope this wasn't a long drive for you, or was it? Uh, man, I, my, my life is driving long. <laughs> so uh, this is a walk in the park. All right. Uh, well, if you, we always say if you want to be found, yeah. where can people find you? Um, <laughs> I don't always want to be found, but uh, I'll just say you can find me on our Facebook group, Sold Out Sports. Uh, again, we are in transitioning of transition process of packing our bags and moving to another network where we can do our show. So, uh, stay tuned for that. I, it will be discussed in the group as usual. We, I discuss pretty much everything in the group. Um, we do a lot of pop culture stuff specifically like rap music, you know, R and B, whatever stuff that go on in life <laughs> with these celebrities. We talk about all that stuff as well as sports and, uh, yeah, that's where you can find me. Um, I have an idea. I, I think you'd be the perfect guesser because I wanted to do this episode for a while. Um, since you're since you're from LA, and you might be for, more familiar with them uh, or with the film. I feel that uh, Straight Outta Compton is overrated, and I uh, I don't know if you have a different perspective than that, but um, that would be a film that. You know, we could we could d- discuss. We, we'll talk about it would have films to, yeah, there, it would yeah. be really in depth because uh, I kind of agree with you, mm-hmm. but it's because of the depth of the movie. It's a lot of layers yeah. that it didn't peel back. But you know, you only get so much time to, mm-hmm. you know for a movie. You can't do five hours of straight out of Compton. Although they tried on A and E, but <laughs> it's a lot of layers that they didn't peel back. All right. Um, so yeah, that or or have like a kind of a comparison with that in the Michelet movie. I know it's a TV oh, movie, yeah. but we'll we'll talk about TV movies. Yeah. <laughs> we, <laughs> as you may have heard on the previous ep- on previous episodes, we'll talk about TV movies because they're a lot of times they're campy and cheesy. You want to talk uh, about the movie, uh, the Britney Spears documentary? I'm sure there's <laughs> comedy gold. No, man, the, I didn't see the movie, but I seen the preview, but the Whitney Houston one where there's yeah. comedy gold too, and they. <laughs> Like it's a steal of the Bobby Brown air quotes <laughs> that they used. Oh my god! Why you light skin? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know who made that movie. But. We didn't have a good budget for a casting director. We didn't have- clearly. <laughs> we we just know with Lifetime movies they were filmed in Canada, yeah. for, and they took about you know I would say three weeks, but that's too long. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think they got together in ten days. <laughs> Um, <laughs> all right. So, uh, Ben, where can where can we be found? Um, we live in. I'm just playing. Telling y'all. That. <laughs> uh, first and foremost, check us out at bythetimeyouhearthis.com um, for the latest episodes, videos about this episode, songs that we played. Um, we'll give you enough information to stock Aaron. Um, but you can find us on there you can also find us on facebook.com slash by the time you hear this both the website and facebook is spelled with the word you y-o-u if you can't spell it 
Um, you can also find us on Instagram at by the time you hear this spelled with the letter U because we're upstanding. Yes, we are. And we do not lie under oath in front of Senate. Um, huh? What? So, <laughs> um, you can find us on Podomatic, which is where we host the, um, the website um, Embed. You know what I'm trying to say. Um, you can also find us on Google Play, um, TuneIn Radio, iTunes, excuse me, CastBox, um, Satchel Podcast Player. Um, I believe that's all of them. I hit them all. Yeah. Yeah. You can find us there. Many ways to find us. Please listen. Please comment. Um, give us a review on iTunes, on Google Play. Interact with us on the blog. Send us an email. Um, by the time you hear this, at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Um, yeah. Rate us. <laughs> <laughs> Subscribe, all that. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, um, Aaron, can you pick a song that we could end with? An R and B song that it is essential and Ooh. and 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 you know, one that gives you a good nostalgic. How feeling? about Stephanie Mills Home? Oh wow! Ooh. That's take a good it, one. take it far back. Yeah, that's <laughs> what I'm with that. <laughs> We can definitely do that. (laughs) (laughs) So, Home by Stephanie Mills. Um, Hopefully, this will be uh, a good starting point for all you R&B hopefuls out there. (laughs) (laughs) You sing this, Beck. Hurry up and come on. (laughs) So, uh, this is Home by Stephanie Mills. And thank you guys for listening. And we will talk to you soon. Peace. Peace. place where there's peace, quiet, and serenity. And that's where some of my friends have gone. Friends who have traveled with me through my wonderful experience in ours. A journey I'll never forget. When I think of home, I think of a place where there's love the thing.